And you see, they all thought that they were weakling, but it was lies! We pulled the wool over those! Those morons, those stinky, sweaty, filthy, dirty, they're listening, aren't they? The microphone is on, yes. Ah, which is weird, I pressed record. You think you think maybe that you know I wouldn't have amnesia in just that ten seconds. No. But apparently I did. Hello everyone. Hello. And welcome to Dank Dank Nugs. Um I am Christopher Mmm this bag of kinder slices from Duty Free is good, Johnson. <laughs> and I'm always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Oh bae. Oh. Sweet bay, um, you're 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 really my wife. Wifey for life. Eh? Wifey for life. You're my wifey for life. You're my head of a life, mate. Shnubans. Except you know with the, the penis. With the penis. The, you know. With we the, do we do the we do the other thing with the penile insertion. Yeah, that should be the name of the podcast. Penile insertion. Just so if we ever got to the stage of like uh, like award recognition, someone would have to say, and the winner is. Penile insertion. It's the best. <laughs> really isn't. Hi everyone, welcome to Big Damn Cast. Um, uh, it's been a busy couple of weeks. For you. For Yeah, well, excuse me, you played me some stuff you've been working on, young man, you've been at it. Well, um, however, I, I do, I, yeah, I have to sort of concede there and be like, I suppose getting married, <laughs> like being on holiday is slightly yeah. bigger sort of list of things, but... <laughs> But 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 music and video last forever, sir. Mm. Whereas, according to all the things we saw for Quickie Divorce out there, marriage is doomed from the start. Yeah. So, uh, on that note, uh, is there divorce lawyers out there? I'm kidding. No, no. Yeah, I got married um, two weeks ago um, after we recorded our last few weeks worth of episodes. Um, yeah. It was pretty cool. I'm married my best mate. Although not the one with the penis. Um, <laughs> but you're here for that later. So. Um, maybe she's got one in a box somewhere. Who knows? Maybe. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. Is it real? Who knows? Um, the provenance of the penis <laughs> is yet to be... Is yet to be confirmed. <laughs> the provenance of the penis. <laughs> Harry Potter and the provenance of the penis. Filth. So yeah, um... That's pretty cool. Mm. Um, and just come back from Orlando. Apparently in time, because as we're recording this, uh, Wednesday the 10th, uh, a massive hurricane's about to hit Orlando that is getting there much sooner than was predicted. So uh, we might have timed that right. I hope everybody out, out there is okay. Um, Stay safe, everyone. Especially the man in the Star Wars shop at Disney Hollywood Studios who gave us a discount on T-shirts. He's fired now. You just fired him. You just got him fired. I'm just going to say it now. Anyone going to Disney World or Disneyland, um, if you are actually getting married or not, pretend you are. Yeah, just say you're getting married. Because you get loads of free stuff. <laughs> I'm going to use that. <laughs> you get loads of free stuff and ting. We were given like iced slushies and things like that, and a courtesy of Mickey. It was like, oh, this is uncle! Universal, like, people sort of just giving us a slight preference and, and queue stuff and fast passes. And things like that. It was really, really cool. Um... It's been a fun couple of weeks. 
But I won't bore you lot with that. Because he's already bored me with it. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's a lie. I don't know any of you, so go away. We've no, don't stay here because we've got things to talk about. We spent a good long time catching up. It was good, it's but now we're recording. We're, and now, I mean, we're naked. We're tired. Pe- so penile so were insertioned. It's quite warm today, isn't it? Which it is, is weird considering it's, the, it's fucking October. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking. I'm what's just thinking, that about? Like, it's not that warm, but I've just been in Florida two weeks, so I'll come around. What is it with airline food, huh? Um, what the deal? <laughs> I'll tell you this though. Um, the on, on, like airplane entertainment systems are so uh, current at the minute. Like that, you're getting films that are either just about to leave the cinema or have just hit DVD and Blu-ray on there. That's pretty cool. Which has been pretty great because on the flight out, long flight on the flight out, I watched Infinity War, napped for a bit, and then watched a bunch of TV. I watched uh, uh, This Country. Is that the one the BT three one? Um, which I'd never seen uh, before. I think I've heard of this. Yeah, it, it's pretty pretty damn funny. Mm. Like, it's sort of very basic character comedy, but because of that, it's really charming. Hmm. And watched, like, some IT Crowd and Inside Number 9. Oh, IT um, Crowd, the, the 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 show produced <laughs> by a famous transphobe. Who's now had a legal warning. Fuck Graham Lanahan. Man. Yeah. It's not, it's not fuck his work. A lot of it's good. But, yeah. But let's not support the man in future ventures. Guys, that way. yeah. Um... Uh, speaking of like people who've been shunned for things online, albeit in a different context and unjustifiably so, we'll get to that in a bit. Okay. Because of uh, what's happening at Warner's allegedly. I completely forgot to put this on the news thing. I'm going to put it on now. <laughs> um, but yeah, and on the way back, I watched Deadpool two, Ghost Stories, which is so freaking good. And um, what the hell did I watch after that? I had, again, I had a nap. Oh, and I watched a bit of Justice League action. How was that? Really fun. They only had one episode on there. It was one with um, uh, a cabbie who drives a space cab, played by Pat Oswalt. Okay. Um, I'm listening. He's suddenly um, like helping Superman take a uh, take an intergalactic terrorist. They refer to him as a terrorist, and I was like, "This is aimed at young kids." Um, back to the hall. Of, they're trying to get him to the to watch the Watchtower and then the Hall of Justice. Um, but he's being pursued by Lobo, and who's the other like bounty hunter guy who's got like the little horns? Um, he's also on like a like a hog of some kind. Hybo. probably. It probably. I is. have no idea. It probably is. I have no idea. But like they were pursuing him because they were trying to get the bounty for this guy as well. The guy that Superman was transporting was Mister Mind. Okay. Who in this incarnation was a small bug. With a communicator strapped to its front, trapped inside a hamster ball, so they could get him back. Okay. Um, it was so weird. It was really fun. It's like Batman Brave and the Bold, but um, it's it's sort of it's not taking the mick out of itself. Its tone is just silly. Yeah. But but the fights were sort of like you know proper punching and things like that. Um, it was really fun. Hawkman appeared in it, and he looked really cool. Were there any yeah. hammers of justice? No, but did you see the trailer for Harley Quinn, the NYCC trailer? I didn't actually. It's only very I short. It's it, it, it's it's Pamela and Harley in their cell at Arkham, and Harley's basically talking to camera, saying like, "I'm getting a show, and it's going to be rude, and it's going to be really, like, it's going to be bad language and naughty parts and all this." And then Batman basically appears briefly in the window and just sort of like from the shadows, like threatens her to like behave herself, and it's Daedric Bader. It's like, oh, yeah, Daedric Bader's voicing Batman in the Harley Quinn show. Um, yeah, it looks like it looks like all the DC app stuff is getting a home in the UK. 
on Netflix. It's going to be dribbling out in bits and pieces, oh, which implies no. we're not getting the DC Universe app in the same incarnation. No, I have to watch Titans. Titans. Yeah. Did you see the new trailer for that? No, I've, I've, I'm actively ignoring really, anything related it was to being really, It's really light. Like, it's a really light-hearted trailer, but it also hints at Batman making an appearance in the show. And I, be- I believe his arm has leaked and it doesn't look very cool. Something like Batman is a killer in this universe or something? Maybe. Not so Which much, makes that, that no sense. doesn't lead into too much. That trailer's more about... It's more Beast Boy-centric trailer. It's like, look at Beast Boy. Like, he does transform into animals. The CGI effects are not terrible. But at the same time, I've got to agree with a lot of people... But for different reasons. Uh, Starfire doesn't look quite right. A lot of people saying, well, Starfire's not black. Starfire's an orange alien. If you're going to get racist yeah. to this, you're an idiot. I just don't think it's a very good design. Yeah, the, the costume's odd. It's because she's wearing the fur coat a lot. Mm. She does kind of look like the archetypal, like, hooker from TV. Like the hooker shorthand. So flasher coat. Yeah, well, the hooker shorthand of, like, yeah. the knee-high, the, the, knee uh, the thigh-high, like, leather boots... Like the, the the leather top and the big furry coat. I guess that says more about us. Well, it says more about us, but it also says a lot about how costumes are used as shorthand. Because, I, again, I don't mm. look at that and go, oh, she's a hooker. I look at it and go, that's kind of the shorthand for a sex worker in TV. Those sort of, that item of costume. Yeah, yeah. The way it's being worn. That's not why I just screw the look. I just think that, like, the look of the costume, it sort of, it belies sort of um, almost a reluctance to be on show because she's trying to cover herself. But at the same time, it was a really eye-catching, obvious outfit for the reasons we've already mentioned. Which is weird, because to me, Starfire's always been very comfortably herself. Yes, that is the the defining um, aspect of Starfire people are most familiar with from the Teen Titans cartoon. Yeah, yeah most, mostly portrayed as a, a confidence and a light-hearted, positive attitude in recent comics, portrayed as, look at my tits, everybody, I'm sexy. Hey, Red Hood and the Outlaws, let's all shag. I'm a, I'm a soulless sex toy. DC are fucked up. They're pretty fucked up. But we'll get to more DC stuff as we're going. Oh, yeah, we've got a few some nice DC. Things, few cool things. We've got some DC ideas. Uh, before we start, actually, really, really quick on, on DC. Um, Joker images. They've been sprinkled out over the last couple of weeks. Images of Joaquin Phoenix on, on... What the fuck is that movie? I think we are gonna we're going to watch... Batman 89 again, minus Batman, where the Joker is some kind of like stand-up comedian slash psycho gangster person. I don't want it to exist, but I still would like to really see Joaquin Phoenix's take on the character. I don't hate the design of the character, although I'm a bit disappointed that it's face paint again. Yeah, well. Because that was unique to Ledger for reasons. Like, it made sense for Ledgers to be face painted, because it was war paint. Yeah. Um, The Joker should be completely bleach white. It's more creepy looking. But at least they're going for the clown thing. Like, it's more clown makeup. He's got a little red nose and everything. <laughs> His suit is, like, full-blown uh, Golden Age slash, like, Cesar Romero bright colours, yeah. which I like. Um, and I kind of like the shots of him walking around looking really sort of uh, grumpy, smoking a cigarette and everything. It's like, yeah, fair enough. Like, this isn't... You know, it almost looks like the stand-up off stage, waiting to go on in a bad mood. Yeah. Which sort of looks quite cool. Um, just before I went away, they released that little costume, the, this costume test tease thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which they totally now it's obvious why they did that. It's because they've been doing some filming outside, and they, and they knew to get, ahead of get out because it then did. Yeah. So I'm happy for that. I'm intrigued by it, but I just like Venom. I'm more interested in the Joker's relationship to his his yin and yang, his other half, than just himself. 
the Joker is a fascinating character and it's fun to watch him in DC stuff it's fun to plonk the Joker in with different characters who aren't Batman yeah. and sometimes it's fun to tell stories of him on his own but I'm not interested in him really enough to watch a movie about him without him bouncing off that world because then it's just a he's just a mobster with a gimmick yeah yeah, and and it's more interesting that he's in a world of gods and monsters, and yet he is one of the more for. That's why the Joker is so impressive in the comics. He's one of the most formidable, frightening villains in the DC universe, and he's just a man in comparison to like you know Black Adam with a man's courage. He'll <laughs> <laughs> never fail, you know. Um, Sorry, I couldn't oh resist. god, we only have four hours left to save the earth. Um, right, but. <laughs> it's quite a long time actually um, uh, the Joker like that's what's impressive though you look at the DC say look at DC's like biggest villains like the most notable ones yeah like from comics or general pop culture and you know you're looking at characters like you know Mr. Freeze you look at characters like Lex Luthor who again just a man but like the resources and the mind and all that stuff and then you look at the characters like Black Adam Gorilla Grodd like Cheetah you know these physically powerful beings you know I mean who can do some damage and then over here's a weedy bloke with a clown face, yes. who's probably the most frightening villain, <laughs> because you don't know what he's gonna do. He's so unpredictable and and unhinged. And he's know, chaos incarnate. Superman could theoretically take the Joker out in five seconds very easily. Yeah. Um. So the Joker, obviously, whenever he's come up against Superman, he approaches his game differently. He ch- he changes how he plays his own games ever so slightly. Yeah. Just to make sure he's got a one up on the Man of Steel in some way. Great example is that Adventures of Superman two part of the Landis written Jock illustrated one. Yeah. Where basically the Joker's like rigged a bu- bunch of bombs around Metropolis just because he wants to speak to Superman and he's on top of the Daily Planet building. And he's like, "Hi, I want to talk to you. Just so you know, if you try and touch me or stop me, I'm going to let go of this detonator and kill thousands of people." So. Um, you're pathetic. I'm going to tell you why. And it's just like, that's like, wow, he's actually sort of got one up on him slightly. Fuck Mike Landis, though. Yeah, well, fuck Mike Landis. But yeah, that's, but... again, that previous work. Yeah. Great. Love the previous work. Not the person. And we'll not support them in the future. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird to think that this is just going to be essentially Batman 89, except he's not a mobster. He's a comedian, probably. It's just mm. like, yeah, but there's also no Batman from to bounce off of, so what's the point? Bouncing off the Batman. And I know they've recast Thomas Wayne really quick, because Thomas Wayne is on posters already in some of the filming they've been doing, and it's not Alec Baldwin. He he left very last minute by the look of it, because we, we talked about that the other week, didn't we? Alec yeah. Baldwin stepped away as Thomas Wayne, and yeah, the, those scenes are being shot like less than a week later, and it's already not his face I on the posters. I don't understand this whole Batman. Thomas Wayne's running from... Uh... Batman prequel without... With it's, the villains, but without Batman. DC like, keep doing it. Smallville, Gotham, like Bane's in the last season of Gotham. Yeah, why? I don't know. Why? I don't know what that even is. Oh, there's been two versions of the Joker in Gotham that aren't the Joker because for for legal reasons, Jerome and Jeremiah can't be the Joker for legal reasons. Also, so they imply that these are the people that led to the Joker being a thing, which takes away some of his agency as well. Well. The idea that he's inspired by two random kids who went through something. Very strange. It's just... Uh, just uh, let's um, uh, let's uh, stay on DC uh, for the next little bit of news. Um, we And the next big bit of news. Uh, first, the slightly smaller one. We finally had the costume reveal for Ruby Rose's Batwoman. Yeah. Looks good. It looks really good. The tongue down the red a little. Like, the yeah. inside of the cape's not bright. The gloves and the boots aren't red. 
But that's not like they're shying away because her face is pale white. The red hair is great. The red as well. hair is massive, and and the red lips. It's like yeah, on the back, on the chest. It's like they're keeping that color scheme. They just, yeah, they've softened it a bit. It's going to be interesting to see, um, it in motion. I'm mm. really hoping because the way she's, I'm hoping that she's standing on her, on her tiptoes and the boots aren't healed because they yeah. look like proper boots. Which, Which they, they should, should be, be, because Kate Kane's military. Yeah. I mean, is it, when it comes to female superhero outfits, I understand the boots being wedged, maybe, because yeah. you can do some damage with that, and they're not impossible to walk in or like land on your feet so much. But mm. heels on a female superhero outfit, I was like, the fuck are you doing? Yeah. That's impractical as hell, and they're just going to hurt themselves. So, I, can't, I don't, I I don't can't mean tell. that from the point of view of the person in real life playing them. I just mean, like, that makes no sense. I can't tell from the image, but I... I'm hoping that they're flats. Yeah. It's like the Dark Knight Rises. Like, Catwoman has, like, steel heels on her. Like, the stiletto heel is, like, a steel block. So it's elegant. Stiletto. But, but, but they, yeah. But they make a point in, in Dark Knight Rises of her, like, kicking at someone and it sort of it sort of sticks in the wall a bit. So it's like, all right, fine, she's capable of that, this one, the other. But it also doesn't make any sense as a cat burglar. Because no, that be clanking around while you... It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, just it's, it's, it's dumb. It's... Yeah, so I, I agree with you. I do hope that that's just the way the image is shot. Yeah. Because, um, like you say, Kane's military. Like, she should be in you know, proper sturdy boots. And, yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's, all I know is she's in a... They've announced where she's debuting. It's in it's in the crossover this year, which is just between three of the shows this time. Yeah. Um, Supergirl... Yeah, because Supergirl originally was never, was never part of the crossover event, but the character was. Yeah. It's like an invasion Supergirl took part in it and there was a, there was like a tag at the end of a Supergirl episode that led into her involvement. Yeah, that's what kicked it all off, I think. <clears throat> but it was Flash, Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. This Flaro. time it's Flaramoro. Been working on my portmanteaus while you've been away. You're a terrible man. <laughs> but a wonderful woman. Oh, um, a Batwoman. Yeah, so this time it's, it's Flash, Arrow and Supergirl. And uh, have they given it a name? It's called Multiverse or something like that. I have no idea. But Batwoman's um, in it, so... Probably called Crisis. Crisis on multiple... Crisis on channels. multiple backdoor pilots. Hey! But yeah, the plan is for this to happen. Based on the reaction to it in this, they're going to give that pilot a go-ahead. It's not been greenlit yet. No. It's just announced. Um, which is really stupid, but whatever. And then based on the feature-length pilot, they'll go for a series. Also depends on how much money you can give Ruby Rose, because, yeah, you know, kind of a movie star. She's a busy woman. She could make money elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um... Maybe she'll choose to make it on television as Batwoman. Um, yes. So, other DC news. Big news, this. Big news. Big um, news. The biggest news, okay. Unconfirmed. I think the rap is the original source. Yeah, as of, as of um, today, uh, October the 10th especially, because this could change in the next two days, Sod's Law. They are saying that James Gunn... James Slither Gun. James Guardians of the Galaxy Volumes 1 and 2, but not 3, even though we're using the script, but we don't want him to direct because we don't want to be associated with him because of things he said, but we're still going to use his script, so we are associated with him because we don't know what we're doing and we made a silly decision and can't go back on it. Gun. James, um, the screenplay for Scooby Doo Gun. Yeah. Yeah, there we are. There uh, we are. He. <laughs> Sorry to bring it back down. <laughs> he is apparently in talks with Warner Brothers mm-hmm. to write and Probably direct Suicide Squad 2. Slash, there's another story's put, a Suicide Squad reboot. Conflicting rumours as to whether or not it's a follow-up to the previous one, or whether it's a fresh start movie. 
Hmm. I wouldn't be against either, to be honest. I wouldn't be against either, because I like James Gunn's work. And I much prefer his... Because the, the sad thing is, it means he will probably regress back to his more edgy tone. But, hopefully he'll take what he's learned since mm. those days with him. I would think so. Either way, it's better than David Ayer doing another one. Yeah. He'll probably still be on as producer, I imagine. Probably. But after, well, he... after Bright, I think... There was obviously a, he- a hesitance from Warner Brothers to be like, yes, David A, a poster boy, movie maker. After Bright, there just seems to be an element of, all right, let's hold back on Mr. Fury. Let's not... Um... Bright's not very good, is it? Ooh, Orc Cop. <laughs> I... Is it the Lindsay Ellis video that's got a song by Rap Critic that's just Orc Cop? I don't, know if, I don't know if he did it for that or she just used it, but yeah. It was pretty great. Yeah. Um... They work together, Rap Critic's... Um... Rock critics collaborate with other four, so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a. But um, yeah, yeah, that. Mm, Bright was a piece <laughs> of shit. Um, I yeah, I mean, I, I'm just interested to see what James Gunn does next, anyway, because I look like at it. how his filmmaking. What was the last thing he made before Guardians of the Galaxy? Was it Super? I think Super was the last feature film he did. Yeah. Yeah. So and then I mean, he, then he produced the the What's It experiment, whatever it was called, the one that came out last year about the office workers killing each other. Hmm. Um, the Belco experiment. <clears throat> Belco experiment. Which I've not seen. Uh, and he 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 wrote the dialogue for the Guardian sections of Infinity War. Yeah. All the Russos would write bits and take it. Uh, sorry, um, Marcus and McFeely would write bits. The Russos would discuss it with James, and then he would give them notes to change bits and pieces. So, if the Guardians' bits of Infinity War feel completely in character, it's because the daddy of the two Guardians movies was looking after his kids in that film as well. Guardians' daddy. <clears throat> Guardian's daddy. Um, Thanos' daddy. Ooh. Ooh. Um, Terrible father. Great daddy. Oh, dear me. <laughs> Looking at the toy here on the thing. Thick. Uh, um, not as thick as that Hulk buster, though. Ooh. I know, it's beautiful. I bought, I bought a bunch of Marvel Legends t- first ten years. Sets I want to just... Out. I got three of the sets. Hold it and run my fingers over so the mould lines. The one I really wanted, I never found. Which oh, was? The one I really wanted was the Thanos Doctor Strange Iron Man one, but the one I really wanted, I never found, was an Iron Man 3 set, which is the Mandarin. Um, yeah. like Trevor Slattery style yeah. the earlier half of the movie you'll never see me coming um, Pepper based on the last scene so she's in like the joggers and she has a swappable arm so a massive like Iron Man gauntlet arm All right. like All a, gl- right. a glowing thing for one fist for the extremists mm-hmm. um, but also like I've seen a review mentioning you can pop the head off so if you want to put her on a more Pepper-esque figure then you can because it's a really good likeness Neat. Um, and War Machine <clears throat> With the design based on a throwaway line, I think it's an Iron Man two actually, where it's just the War Machine armor, but it's got like the the flame flames up the arms and legs, oh. like the hot rod style sort of thing. Because oh. they've already done Nine Patriot figure, which I've got. They did that at the time, so I thought oh, got, that's a set I really wanted. Because was like that War Machine looks great, the Pepper likeness is great, and that Mandarin is fucking amazing. War Machine. Um, yeah, there's quite a few sets that I didn't see that I really wanted. One of them's a uh, one of them was a uh, Iron Man one set with the Mark 1 armour and Tony figure. I really wanted that one. And I never saw Ultron in the wild. Welcome. I would have got Ultron. Welcome to my experience trying to hunt down Power of the Primes figures <laughs> at UK retail. I can imagine. Fuck all. I was, I, yeah, every time I was in a Walmart, a Target or a um, Universal theme shop, I did look at the Transformers. I'm sorry to say they were mostly movie based uh, yeah. versions of Studio the... series is the big thing over there. Yeah. And it's a shame because they were cool looking toys but I was obviously, obviously when I was out there I'm like 
keep my eye out for oh which ones would Matt like by all accounts the studio series like, figures I would, are... I would have just been taking pictures and sending back to you and going do you want it do you want it all movie buggers apart from, those, I... apart from those simplified gen 1 Transformers yeah, yeah the they look really cool Cyber Legion I saw a kid buy one a Starscream of those and they were excitedly running around the shop to the counter with like their mum be like this one this Starscream I love Starscream and the mum was like okay and I was just like that makes me happy do you know why why Starscream is bae he is bae Michael, but no, no, Cyber Daddy, Cyber um, Daddy. So James Gunn might have been poached by the other side. Now this is the second time this has happened. Uh, Joss Whedon was in talks about a Batgirl movie, mm-hmm. and then when a tra- personal tragedy hit the Snyder family, um, Zach and Deborah had to dip out of Justice League, and as such, Joss Whedon was offered to pick up the slack. So the director of the Avengers helped finish the Justice League movie. Which now, helped finish the DCE. Oh! No, Justice League's not the worst film in the DCU. No. It's the most boring film in it, the It's DCU, very boring. But it's not the worst. Um, that, that is probably Suicide Squad. Yeah. Followed very closely by BVS. Um, I don't know. I think BVS might be worse than Suicide Squad. Well, BVS is offensive. Suicide Squad's just shit. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that James Gunn is being poached for that is interesting because Suicide Squad was obviously trying to be DC's Guardians of the Galaxy. Right down to the elaborate soundtrack and everything. Yeah. So the fact that they've got the Guardians of the Galaxy director in talks to possibly write and definitely direct a new Suicide Squad movie. I think it's the other way around. Oh, no, I've, I've seen direct pop up more. Well, okay, I've seen write pop up more. Oh, either way, I mean, I'd be happy if he, if they went, right, here you go. You can carry on with our continuity or you can completely change it. Your shout. Yeah. Write a Suicide Squad movie, direct a Suicide Squad movie, what do you want to do? Um, I'd be happy if he didn't. I'd be, I'd be happy for him to do either as long as he was allowed to play with it his way. Because you know that he would. He could possibly come in, look at what they've got, the chess pieces they put out, yeah. and go, I can play this slightly differently and make it work. I want to cast... If, if, they, if, they, carry o- if they carry over like Margot Robbie... <clears throat> And say like Jai Courtney or something into the sequel. No, Fair he's gonna enough. he's gonna start from scratch. He's gonna go. Okay, I want to do a Suicide Squad movie, but I want a new cast and want new characters. So what we're gonna do? We're gonna bring Dave Batista when he's gonna be our Killer Croc. Well, you've seen that. We're gonna do. You? We're gonna be. Our, we're gonna do our Bradley Cooper is gonna be our Captain Boomerang. <laughs> we're gonna have Chris Pratt and Zoe Saldana. They're gonna be our Punch and Julie. We've got. <laughs> oh God, I would watch that. <laughs> and Vin Diesel, it's just gonna be Vin Diesel. <laughs> Zabal family. He had the worst ride at Universal, by the way. Fast and the Furious Supercharged. Because he's pathetic. too big for all the seats. It was terrible. The best part of that, because it's all motion simulator shit. Mm-hmm. The best part about it is The Rock appears as Hob in like a pre-main ride bit. Is it Hobbs, his character? Mm-hmm. He appears very briefly. He says like a one-line at somebody. And he turns to you and he just winks briefly. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's the best thing in this whole ride. The Rock winking at us was the best thing in this whole ride. The rest of the ride is dog shit. That reminds me, I finally watched Welcome to the Jungle all the way through. Jumanji, all the um, way through. It's great because the first time, the first time we put it on, I had to duck out for it. But this time, I managed to watch the whole fun, thing. Fun in it. It's really good. It's it's annoyingly fun because like the original movie's not amazing. It's remembered like that way, and the spirit of it is definitely wonderful. Stand out for me. I, Karen Gillan. Yes, she's yes. brilliant in it. She's so good, and and just like the awkward snog is hilarious. And it, it, she does a lot of really cool physical comedy, like when she when Jack Black's trying to teach her how to, how to flirt. Mm. The, <laughs> she she can actually do some really nice physical comedy stuff with that. Um, and the serial killer from Too Many Cooks in the marketplace. Yes, 
Rations! Get your rations! Um, I also like the fact that the subtle hints that this is the exact same game just reshaped for the genre, because the villain's also called Van Pelt. Even though he's clearly a different character, but it's like, oh, okay. Oh, it's, it's explicitly the same game, but reshaped for a different... Mm. Because... I, I do I do hate the over thing, where they're like, who's Alan Parrish? <laughs> oh, maybe he was the last person to live... Like, just letting us see it in the corner of the yeah. shot would be enough for it to be like, oh, that's where he, that's where he stayed. But instead they make a thing of it, and it's like, oh, okay. Um, I really dig it. I think it's really fun. So much so that I'm excited to see like what the rest of everyone in that does. Uh, the the what's the name the one who plays Shelley so Jack Black mm-hmm. her, her actual uh, the actual plays in the opening uh, she's in Goosebumps too which we're getting at the same time the states get it this week we get it the week after I'm also surprised it's not straight to video hey me too but <laughs> well, well the the recent trailer I think they realised some people are a bit like why is it not any of the cast from the original so the recent trailer's given away that a character is back from the first one. Oh, in the third act, and it's like, oh, okay, like that. I would have much preferred that to be a surprise, but uh, yeah. And it also looks like he's also lending his voice to another character that he also voiced in the original too. So it's like, I guess they had to give away that he was involved at some point. Yes. So uh, spoiler alert: R.L. Stein is also in Goosebumps too. He appears in the third act, and it is Jack Black. Um, so yeah, which makes me sad because Avery Jones, who plays Slappy, does a great vo- great job with his voice and playing him. And it's like, oh, I guess he will be dubbed over in this film as well. Then that's yeah, a shame. I'm sorry, but he's doing all the marketing, so all the viral marketing started up again, which is great because the viral marketing for the first one was brilliant. It's like Slappy answering fan tweets and things like that, and, and like video bursts. They'd sit there for four hours and just respond to tweets. Creepy as sin. Um, happy slapping. Happy. <laughs> um, uh, how, so how, yeah, how, how the hell did we get to Jumanji? James James that was it. Um, the Rock. Point. The uh, Suicide Squad of the Rock. No, Batista has said on Twitter, although I think the tweet's since been deleted. Yeah. He said, um, he retweeted like the story about James Gunn. He said, nice one, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I feel so bad about all this because like, Batista has been the most vocal supporter of his friend here. Yeah. D- Dave has been really behind James and that's great and I love that. And I absolutely love it. But I also like, I don't want Disney, the studio, to have a bad relationship with him going forwards. I think they've already burned that bridge. Well, I don't know, because I don't think anyone at Disney agrees with the decision that was made. Um, see, I think, I'm, I, think I'm, I think they were forced into making it by... I've heard um, conflicting things about then, that. Yeah, well... So I've, I've heard some reports that Faggy was dead set against it, and then I've heard some reports that Faggy was all for it, so... I think I think that's more him covering his thingy, because you, you can imagine that's the sort of stuff that goes on in the upper echelons. They're like... Sorry, Kevin, are you, are you saying you disagree with us in the media? And he's like, no, nah, it's been overplayed. And in reality, yeah. he's like, no, I do disagree with you, but uh, relations, blah, blah, blah. Bob Iger's come out and been like, yeah, it was a completely unanimous decision. Uh, that I made, myself, in a room. But it wasn't even him, it was, what's his name? Um, the dick guy. Dickhead guy. Which dickhead guy? Because the, the first dickhead um, guy is no longer involved at all anymore. No. Was that thinking Pilmer or... No, no, I um, it, it wasn't Bob Iger who made the call, it was another executive. Oh yeah, Bob Iger had to release the statement, uh, didn't he? Because he's the head of the company. I can't remember the na- his name. But yeah. Um... This might help. Kinder. No. no last one, you have it. I had like 80 on the plane. Okay, but well, you have to keep talking <laughs> while I finish it. So, um, um, but yeah, I, I, it's a shame because Batista, like, I couldn't imagine, imagine the stuff he could do with Disney. Like, you just know Dave would be someone that they'd work with really well. And he's great. He's so good. 
and loyal as sin as well like as it's been proved but he's, he's been quite publicly saying like i don't know if i want to work for disney going forwards and i think it's because of the treatment of his friend essentially um yes so if batista also crossed over i mean i'd be sad because it means we're definitely not getting any more of drax and stuff but i'd also be excited to see what they do yeah. I, I saw i saw somebody saying um on twitter uh warners hire gun hire batista cast him as king shark co-write the script with gil simone make a secret six movie <laughs> and it's like okay okay then because when gil simone wrote king shark he was freaking brilliant secret six movie with batista is bane Oh my or, god! You mean we'd have a Bane? Or, we'd have we'd have a Bane who can act and or, looks like Bane, or or Catman. Oh. <laughs> Bring Kurt Russell on board as well. Yeah, give us Wildcat. Mm-hmm. I'd watch the shit out of that. Yeah, all right. As as the grizzled old retired superhero who's primarily a boxer, who's like, oh, for God's sake, I guess I've got to help out now. Yeah, that'd be great. And get, get oh God, a James Gunn, a James Gunn pen film where Kurt gets to play spoiler alert for Guardians two, the good guy. Yeah, who's oh oh, see now fantasy casting's coming up in my head. Yeah, like you said, just transfer the Guardians cast. Just have them transfer just, over. Just have them all. Just do it. Why not? Just like oh God, that'd be amazing. Get Bradley Cooper playing someone like Mr. Mitch's Pitlick. So he can so he has to be a voiceover again. <laughs> <laughs> but Vin Diesel's the physical appearance of him. Oh yeah. It's just a it's just a CGI shrunken body Vin yeah. Diesel just floating around. Yeah. But with the voice of Bradley Cooper. So Vin Diesel still doesn't get much to do. And you gotta get Sean Gunn in there somewhere as well. Yes. Oh Sean Gunn can provide Vin Diesel's lines on the day and Bradley Cooper can put <laughs> them over. Well, well, I mean, I, I could just say the thing. You don't have to speak, Vin. Superman. No, Vin's got to play a character. Vin's got to play Solomon Mr. Mrs. Pitlick so he can go Superman <laughs> at some point. And we can all go, do you remember that really good film? And then we'll all put the Iron Giant on the DVD remember? player. <laughs> and we'll all have a lovely night. <laughs> remember that really good film? I'm watching the new Suicide Squad and I'm thinking, you remember that really good film? The Iron <laughs> Giant. Let's go watch that Let's instead. Let's go watch that instead. Um... Yeah. I mean, good. I, I'm just happy that big studios are going. Hi, Mr. Gunn. Yeah, what happened to you is fucking ridiculous. Do you want to work together? Let's work on a thing. Well, I think I think that I think no studio is going to be offering them a family project yet. I think it'd be a while before we see that. Yeah, maybe. I think they'd want to keep that distance just in case because there are people who are legitimately upset who are just like, yeah, he's already apologized and I forgive him for that, but I'm not really happy. Yeah, to watch stuff aimed at families written by him now because it's sort of left a bad taste in my mouth. Mm. That's fine. That's that's all down to personal taste. But to waste a talent like this, and especially one who's shown such personal and professional growth over the last eight years, yeah, over over something that kicked off because a far right rape apologist decided to argue back against the lefty media, yeah, is just it's so stupid, so Um, stupid. Did I say I was at I was at uh, I think I did. Yeah, I was at Orlando International Airport at the same time as Trump. Our flight and a few others were delayed because they were having to clear some space for Air Force One. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. I, I was five seconds away from asking a member of staff, do you have A, an observation balcony, and B, a stall that sells rotten fruit and veg in the airport? <laughs> How's your throwing arm? <laughs> Pretty good! 
it's a big gosh. target. A, um, a bigly target. Although uh, he didn't embarrass himself all by himself. Yeah, so, so him descending the stairs the other day with toilet paper stuck to his shoe. Uh, I mean, that happens to the best of us. Which the president... Apparently, it also happens to the worst of us. Which the president show um, did a year prior. Oh, nice. Making it, I think it's ten instances where the president show made a joke, and then he's done it since. Mm. Mm. It's like, oh my god, you guys were on it. Very good. Very good. Um, a truck! Talking about... A big truck! <laughs> Talking about big studios. Big, bigly studios. We got some bad news. Oh. Again, this is another thing that happened while you were eight. Uh, oh, mince. We, 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 um, <laughs> talked about it a little bit on Twitter just before you went away, but. Ah, yeah. Now we can talk about it properly. Telltale Studios. Yes. Just collapsed. The mines behind. Imploded. Uh, Telltale Games, The Walking Dead, The Wolf Among Us, Back to the Future, uh, Batman, Enemy Within. Sam and Max. Sam and Max. Strong, um, bad, cool game for attractive people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Tales from the Borderlands. Yeah. Uh, Minecraft Story Mode. Like, the, loads of loads of big games that people really enjoyed. Varying degrees of quality. You've got the better ones like Wolf Among Us, Walking Dead Season 1 and 2. You've got the passable ones like um, Batman and, and, uh, and uh, what's the one thing of Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, a studio doomed creatively from the get-go because they stuck to the formula and just invested it out to so many properties for so long yeah. that to have a sudden overhaul would mean less things being put out there. But we now know for sure why they were putting so many things out at the rate they were yeah. and not caring about updating their game engine or style. And it was because they were in some serious debt. Yeah, So much debt that it closed the studio and the employees basically found out the next day. Yeah. They'd not long changed management and management was talk the new management was talking about getting a new engine up and running mm. and, and, and switching like things up and updating yeah. their technology and stuff. Which but is which is a good investment for from, for, for uh, backers because you turn around to them and go, We're about to do a massive overhaul yeah. of this. If you help invest in it, you'll co own a new system, you'll co own a new software and but from and for the games. From the reports the damage was already done. Yeah. Um They were so deep in the hole <clears throat> uh, but um, that when, from what I gather, I'm trying to find off. I'm trying to find a, a full, uh, a full thing, my Bob, um, a full uh, account. Um, that what I can tell happened is they were waiting on a round of funding from one of their partners, and that funding didn't come through. And when that funding didn't come through, they they literally had no money. Yeah, it wasn't a case of. Uh, cutbacks. It was a case of just right. We're 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 declaring yep. bank. We're just cla- declaring bankruptcy. We're calling it a day. Like all profits stashed to one side would go to paying off everything, and we're just leaving it there. Um, which sucks for anyone. But I mean, I don't feel entirely, mm-hmm. um, entirely sort of uh, 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 grossed out or or annoyed at the heads because you know that there will be one or two people at the top of this thing who cared deeply about what they were doing and wanted to keep it afloat. Not none of them are doing it. Not 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 all of them are doing it just for the money. There'll be people who are there because they're like I can't believe we get to do this for a living. This is amazing and everybody and employing all these people. But then there will also be those who made decisions and grossly overestimated their own ability. Yeah. Who have not thought Maybe they do care about it, but they've really not thought properly about this, and they've put hundreds of people out of work, including their families. Well, 
Um, obviously, their families are you know now affected by that because it looked like severance is not something that they're going to be receiving for quite some time. Well, I'm just about a Kotaku article here. Um, they didn't know it was going to happen to the point where one of their sources, one of the Kotaku sources, mm. had been working until 3 a.m. the night before, and then at a staff meeting the next morning, yeah, staff wide meeting. Uh, CEO Pete Hawley announced it was closing. Over 200 employees lost their jobs that is insane. like that. It's like the next morning, everybody comes in. Hi, can we all, we all need to have a meeting. Can everybody come to this, that, the other? Oh, everyone get on the phones. Hi. With no really severance. Sorry. We're closing. Please pack up and leave. No severance and the health benefits ran out nine days later. Jesus And they Christ. had 30 minutes to leave the building. That's no, Oh God, so that is how like out of it they were. It was straight away. Overnight. Oh god! The, the basically they had uh, what was it thirty minutes to leave the building because that building was suddenly about to not be their space and they needed to leave it or like incur pretty legal much. fees and that is gross. As they hell. left the skeleton crew of twenty five to finish off work on a final project, which according to some reports was the Minecraft story mode they were doing for Netflix. Yeah. I think they'll be doing some sort of interactive version yeah, of Yeah, because they're, they're, they're one of the shows that's coming to Netflix as, yeah. a, as a choose-your-own-adventure thing. Um, Which apparently they're doing a Black Mirror episode. Like, If, if any mm, if any show on Netflix mm, is going to experiment in it, I'm happy that one mm, of them is Black Mirror. But I hope there is an option to watch all possibilities of that episode yeah. as well, because that would suck. Um, um, yeah. And uh, this is all in the midst of the final season of The Walking Dead. Yeah. At least, like, episode one came out. And then the Friday after, I think it was, was the day when all this went down. Yeah. And Telltale just ceased to exist. It's since been removed from storefronts and Skybound, which is Robert Kirkman's company, publishing company, um, they've announced that they're going to complete it. They're looking for... um, Apparently they're looking for the the original staff uh, to finish it off. So hopefully that'll see a lot of those people be rehired mm. and at least get some work out of this. But it's just such a shit show. It's, I mean, some people swept in immediately, and I've got to give credit to them. It was Ubisoft Montreal got in touch, and, and one of their studios on the West Coast said, Telltale employees who can make it to this restaurant yeah. on Monday. It was like, it was like a three-day warning. Uh, at 4 p.m., come along, meal and drinks on us. Let's talk employment. Mm-hmm. Which suggests that Ubisoft were like, look, we've got room for a certain amount of people. Let's see who let's let's see who's available and who's keen to do it. Come and join us. We'll give you a contract for whatever time. Which is great, good on them for doing that. And a lot of other studios as well that weren't able to offer jobs were signal boosting um, graphics jobs and everything and, and, and art department jobs from other places. So the gaming community as a whole, especially the developers, really looked out for all the employees the moment it was announced. They tried to make sure everybody had as many possible options as they could that they could help provide them with. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, there's one of the employees gave an account like the moment he felt he was safe to do so, like a day later of just what the conditions have been like for that last month, especially. Yeah. Like a lot of the time, but for the last month especially, there was like sessions where they were working till three, four in the morning mm-hmm. to meet a deadline, which the art department and the and teams were saying, it's... look, just just give us an extra like day and we can possibly get this done for you. And of course, 
upper management like we've promised this date to this publisher and this no we need it now the pro- and it's a problem that is rife in the video game industry <clears> as a whole yeah. like crunch as it's become known is, yeah. is such a a problem it's why it's um, so nice it's when expected when, of people well, it's why it's so nice when you see companies fight against it again ubisoft um montreal on uh south park fractured but whole yeah and uh rocksteady having to do it to warner brothers uh, for Arkham Knight, it's good when you see I I I'm an, an insomniac to the world when they were yeah. like, "Hi, Fractured But Whole, Arkham Knight, Spider Man." Yeah, we need more time. We're going to put the release date back a bit. Yeah, you get some people who go, "Oh, I was really looking forward to that," but ninety percent of your audience go, "Okay." It takes as long as it takes. Yeah, like the Spider Man never released an announced date. Announced uh, never announced a release date. No. Hi, I'm jet lag until much closer to the time. <laughs> Like, but, but they kept saying estimate 2017 was the original announcement yeah yeah and then in 2017 they said no it's going to be next year it's going to be 2018 sometime yeah um, and that was great and people are happy to wait so this, yeah, crunch, it's this not... crunch thing is very much in the hands of it's not like the heads, the heads of publishing and the heads of development it's, it's, it's completely in their head it's not like movies where it's a, it tends to be a bad sign if a movie's delayed yeah or put back for a significant amount of time but with video games, it's not... They need that time to get the work done. They come out where they come out. Yeah. And a lot of the time, the ones that have these crunch things have massive publishers behind them. Yeah. Who could... Oh, what's that? We're going to lose, like, you know, 10 grand it's to, to some this, that, and the other. The sh- they've got to please it. the shareholders. Or if, if we can shit out 10 grand. If they but have yeah, to delay yeah. one of their big temple <clears> releases... All the shareholders start going, oh, well, we're not going to, you're not going to hit your targets in that quarter. And then, and then the shareholders will start offloading shares and the value will go down. It's like, it sucks because it's like, it's a creative industry. If you're a shareholder in a creative industry, keep an eye on the things that you're tied to. Absolutely. But let them work. There shouldn't be shareholders in creative industries, but that's not the system we live in, unfortunately. I think, I think there's definitely room for them, but the way the practice is done should be so different. Shareholders and capitalism fucks everything up. It'd be like turning around to it'd be like it'd be like turning around to to freaking Pablo Picasso and going, "Are you gonna get that paint finished by tomorrow? Because I'm I'm opening a gallery on Friday. I yeah. want it now." It's like it's done when it's done. He's not being lazy. This is not you've not given him a worksheet of things to get done in a spit in a period of time. You've not given him some paperwork that needs filing. It's not like it's something that can be done based on how quickly you work. Yeah. It's an artistic process. It's done differently. Sometimes people don't work at that rate. Sometimes people can work very quickly, but then go over it again and again afterwards to make it different. Sometimes it's a matter of you do it, and then the person above has some notes, and you have to work together to figure out a compromise. It takes time. So the fact that Telltale was so beholden to shareholders and all that stuff, it was management forgetting that this is without trying to sound too wanky it was management forgetting that this was art that they were making yeah they were making art they were making because interactive they, they'd stories they'd taken on so many projects yeah oh it was nuts but, I mean was it Batman came out early 2017 yeah. no um, but none of late them late 2016 and when they said oh Enemy Within starts next August I was like what mm. the sequel to this already mm-hmm. I was I was expecting to wait like two three years because but but it's because the walking because the, 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 the walking the dead as well. It meant they yeah. could churn stuff out quick. But... but it was it was already at the limits of what it could do. Yeah, way before they got to that point. Yeah, um, I think they said by the time they did Back to the Future, they were like, 
we should probably upgrade that. But by that point, it was like, well, no, we've got to bring out Walking Dead season two. Yeah, and we've got to bring out Minecraft because it, it was the Walking Dead that kicked all this off. Yeah, it was that explosion. Right, so it was like it definitely put them on the map. The the the, the, the warning signs were there in that none of these things that came <clears throat> after were as successful as that first season of The Walking Dead. No, including the Walking Dead sequels. Yeah. Like, stuff was critically acclaimed, like Wolf Among Us and stuff, like, people really liked it. But, but none of it was selling. And it's the shit, I think Jim Sterling put it this way, he said something like, Walking Dead put them on the map, the way they handled and burned their business will keep them there. Yeah. Like, Telltale will be remembered not for The Walking Dead now. They tried to expand it, way too quickly. Yeah, it will be remembered for what um, they did to their company. And it so. sucks massively. Um, Just, yeah, I mean, I just, Christ... Sony or someone turn around and go hi everyone who worked there we're going to put a new department together for new things we want you on it well Microsoft might do that I think they just bought Obsidian oh okay well yeah like I said Walking Dead the final season is going to be finished now isn't it apparently so Skybound have apparently stepped in to Uh, finish that and again they will probably bring on a bunch of the Telltale lot yeah. Either either onto the team to do it or in an advisory capacity to make sure that it goes the way that they were planning. But I hope and I hope all those people land on the feet because that's their time. fucking it, it yeah. really sucks. Um, right before we get to the main topic of this week, and we'll probably merge emails into this because yes, a lot of them Doctor, about it. Doctor Who's back, everyone. Um, a <laughs> couple of quick couple of quick things on the trailer um, trailer front. New Bumblebee trailer. That movie looks like it might be all right. Interesting designs. Bumblebee. Good fun. Yeah. Yeah, it, well, it's it's it, it just it looks more. I was saying to you, we do, we what we rewatched it just before it was my my yeah. first time watching it just before we started recording, and I pointed out to you, I said without Bay directing, I can see each transformer during fight sequences. I don't I can think, see what they look like. I don't think it's uh, it's not just a mess of grey and and silver. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's. It's a coincidence that it's a lot clearer action wise, and it's an animation guy doing direct who's directing it. Yeah, because it's yeah, you can <clears> see that. It's clearly done by a man who knows how this all works. Well, there's a scene where a scene where Soundwave is the one with the tape deck. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and Ravage is the tape and pops out of his chest. Yeah, it's amazing. It looks like a shot from from an anime or a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. Like it just starts on that close and it sort of like pulls out to a Dutch angle as Ravage jumps out. And it's like that looks cool. And the glimpse you see of 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 you know proper sort of G one style Optimus Prime, he looks great. Yes, he Bumblebee does. Bumblebee looks. Best he's ever looked, really. Yeah. In the film, like yeah, it's yeah. a simplified design. The face is the same. They've got they've added the that really simplified. Thing he's of... a small. He's a slightly smaller scale, and he's got the little ears. Yes, which just give him a, that little bit extra bit of expression. Yeah, and then the B style sort of mask yeah. that he wears when he's fighting looks really cool. Um, it looks fun, and mm. I really hope it is. It's 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 a girl and her transformer. Hopefully it's good. And John Cena as an evil military man. Um, and, and yeah, like I hope it's great. It looks fun. We got a, a look at some more of the uh, the characters that are going to be appearing in Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> we got... Do animals talk in his universe? Because I don't want to freak them out. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Spider-Ham is so... I mean, we've got, the, so we've got the anime style one who's sort of based on a character from the Spider-Verse uh, the comic. The SP slash FDR. Yeah, but like sort of more sort of cutesy-fied. Yeah, it looks yeah. really cool. We've got Spider-Man Noir played by Nick Cage, who looks like he's going to be in this much more than I ever dreamed. Aunt May's in this, yeah, which makes me very happy. Um, over Aunt May's shoulder, a lot of screen grabs pointed this out when the trailer came out. One of the suits in like the case of different suits is the Insomniac white spider suit. Yeah. So it's like, oh my god, this is going to be full of Easter eggs. And fucking Spider-Ham. Spider-Ham. Peter Porker is in this movie. The world at large is about to meet Peter Porker. 
the spectacular Spider-Ham. I can't wait. Like, just when he, <laughs> when he appeared, did you finish Shattered Dimensions? No. He appears post credits in Shattered Dimensions. Because Shattered Dimensions, let's finish. Shattered Dimensions was the was the seed from which all of these alternate universe Spider-Man stories have grown yeah. from. It, it's the tablet of uh, chaos uh is is been stolen by Mysterio and it's shattering time and parts of it have shattered throughout four realities and the four different Spider-Man get contacted by Madame Web to locate it. It's Spider-Man Noir, Ultimate Spider-Man with the symbiote costume, Spidey twenty ninety nine and the amazing Spider-Man like all have to work together and find this and the other. And then at the very end Spider Ham shows up in the post credit scene and is like, I'm here for duty where everybody go? She's like, uh we we don't need you now. And he's like, ah oh, shoot. It's like, oh Spider Ham, cool that post-credit scene for a video game from 2010 is now a main plot point in a motion picture that's coming out this Christmas. I love it. I love it. Because, oh God, I, I guarantee Dan Slott's involved in this in some way as well. Because he wrote Shattered Dimensions. Mm-hmm. He, of course, did Spider-Verse. He's, I think he's written an issue of and is like one of the story sculptors for the upcoming um, Spider-Geddon, which yeah. is the sequel to Spider-Verse. Yeah. Uh, which apparently features the Insomniac Spider-Man in a key role as part of the story. Interesting. In a story set just after his video game story. Interesting. So that's some, play, play that game before you read the comic, That's guys. some smart cross-marketing. Um, I'll watch your girlfriend play. That's what I've done. Isn't it so good? It's very good. Has she the main campaign yet? Uh, no, she's near the end. But okay. Um, I, I cried oh. in the last 10 minutes. I sat there quietly weeping whilst watching the final cutscenes. Oh. I, w- I would like to know what your reaction is when you see it, so let me know. I may not, I may not see it firsthand, it's, but I'll hear about it. pretty for sure. damn effective storytelling. Okay. Um, so, you just, you just sat there going, I love this character and I love this world, and what they've done is so good. Um, so, I'm happy to see that his story continues in some little way immediately, so you can get that fixed before Insomniac inevitably go, Alright, we've got another one in development. Uh, well, DLC's coming. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm gonna, I've ordered it, I'm going to get to play the first one, and then I'm going to get to play two and three next year, because oh, I'm the PlayStation no. with me, taking my PS3 with me to Panto Land, so, um, it's an excuse to play Red Dead. Uh, got on the Mass so, Train, boy. Oh, oh yeah, I've got all three in the box, I need yeah, to go yeah, through it. But, um, so, so that's, that's you know, Spider-Ham looks great, that's such a fun little addition. Gwen looks cool, like I really like Gwen's design. Yeah. Two of these movies star Hayley and Steinfeld. Steinfeld. Yeah. Um, and... I love the Peter thing. I love that they've gone for the slightly older, slightly more laid back Peter. Slight, I think slight, it's a really cool idea. A little bit of a fuck up Peter. Yeah, like like <clears throat> you can imagine he's maybe not the the Spider Man we know, but he's damn close. Yeah, and it's like okay, because it could be that this is their interpretation of main universe Spider Man. Is in his late twenties, early thirties. He's still kind of at the place he was when he was in his late teens in terms of his financial situation yep. and everything, and and he's. This whole thing is sort of like, oh, okay, another dimension. Right, I guess I've got to figure this one out. Like, yeah. he's, he's used to big events, but he's sort of at that place where he's like, oh, it's one of these ones. Okay. Uh, so he's, yeah. a bit, he's a bit more tired and annoyed at it all. The fry metaphor is great. Uh, first glimpse of the Prowler. Yeah. Glimpse at Scorpion. Yeah. Uh, or at least this universe's version has got big freaking, like, metallic legs for a lower half and, yep. and, and scorpion tail uh you see the goblin a lot more in this big dragon thing yeah fisk fisk's the main villain yeah uh what is with this beautiful resurgence of the last few years of people going kingpin's kind of great kingpin isn't he? me baby did you see that tweet as well 
Someone oh, said, seeing yeah, the Daredevil yeah. Series 3 trailers made me sad we'll never see Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin face off against Spider-Man. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And D'Onofrio retweeted it with the caption, says who? <laughs> and I hope he's not just prick-teasing. I hope that there is genuine talks of Fisk popping up in a Spider-Man film. Great. That would be amazing, because that, be, that would be the movies flat out just acknowledging, yes, the Netflix shows are there. They are definitely there and they matter. I mean, there's nothing contradictory, so... No, it, it'd be People cool. just want that confirmation. Like I'd, I'd, love, I'd just love, briefly, just have like a have like a characters dealing with a, a, a court thing or a lawyer, um, like a, like a, a, a solicitor sort of like dip-in session in one of the films, just a brief thing about a legal counsel and just have someone from that law firm, from Carry On Thingy's law firm there, like Foggy or someone, just have them yeah. be in the scene. Even if they've not got more than a couple of lines, that would be a great way to go, yeah, those shows, yeah, they count. They are real. They are real. I know they, they normally. Real. I know they normally reference us, but they're real. Wait, we're gonna just reference them slightly, so you know they exist. Yeah. Okay, moving on, guys. Okay. Moving on. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Um. <laughs> no, I, I. Oh God. I. Yeah. I. I. I want into the Spider Verse in my life now. I want it um, now. This um, morning we got the Pet Cemetery trailer. We did. Disappointingly restrained John Lithgow. Yeah. I wanted to I mean, see. I you know he's to gonna, hear that. You know he's going to be great in it. Oh, it looks really good. The who's film it, who, looks really good. Who is it who played that part in the previous film adaptation? Um, it's the guy who was the original Herman Munster, whose name I can't remember. Lou something. Yeah. There's an eccentricity to his delivery of that original movie. Ah. Sometimes. The th- are you doing an impression of him though or are you doing an impression of the character the pastiche of him from South Park no I'm doing an impression of him <laughs> sometimes dead, dead is better Christ on his throne no <laughs> um does <laughs> he know his name <laughs> oh wait no that's the uh, monster uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've got the box <laughs> set of that we've yet to crack it open we need to give it a proper watch um, uh, Fred Gwynn Fred Gwynn Fred Gwynn. Do, 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 do. He, Fred Gwynn with the big chin. Fred Gwynn with the big ass chin. Yep. Um, so yeah, like Pet Cemetery. Uh, for those who don't know, what's the basic story? Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. Um, City Doctor. In case, case you're wondering, it's Stephen King. City Doctor <laughs> moves to a small town in Maine to take up residence at the university there as a as their medical. Man. A man. They're, they're, on, they're on campus doctor. Dr. Gwynn. Um, and he has two young kids and he and he meets and befriends a local named, named Judd, who's an old dude who, you know, is, and they get they get quite close. And, who and thinks friendly. that sometimes? Sometimes dead is better. Ah, uh, yep. That's a bad road. You don't want to go down that road. <laughs> that's pretty good. Actually. You got to stay out of the road. Um, and there's a there's a little pet cemetery near, near there. Near their new house, which is where all the local kids have buried their their pets for years and years and years. But there's also something else mm. a little further past the cemetery. And um, <laughs> the little girl's cat gets killed. Oh, no. And um, Judd, the old guy, is like, hmm, we might be able to sort this out. And, they t- and he takes the, the main character, Lewis, and he's like, oh, let's bury this cat. In this burial ground, and it'll come back to life, and it does come back, but it's different. Yes. And then, so, yeah, and then a tragedy happens, and someone gets buried in the cemetery, and they come back, and yeah, it's good. The original movie's actually pretty good. There's some dodgy acting in it, but for the most part, it's pretty, it's pretty good fun. 
Um, there's also a terrible sequel with Clancy Brown, which I've not seen, but it's on Now TV, so I might get around to it. Is Clancy Brown point. playing one of the roles from the first one? I know, I know. Um, without spoiling anything from the about the first one, that's highly unlikely. Okay, then. Uh, <laughs> so, it's it's yet another Stephen King remake. This is the... in terms of There's cinema- definitely been a Stephen King resurgence in the last yeah. two or three years. Well, in terms of cinema... Is this the first... Carrie's not King, is it? Yeah, that was his first novel. So, th- so would this be the second remake of a Stephen King film? Then, no, sorry, the, the cinematic second... film. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. because the others are, uh... the, the others have all been either a film turned into a TV show or a TV show that's then uh, I don't know, you know, because like it isn't a remake; it's the first film version of it. Yeah, because the, the original the first was a TV movie. Was a TV movie. Yeah. Um, let me have a look. Movie. I mean, The Shining movie. that was remade. Uh, Ready Player One. They remade. <laughs> Oh, that was a film. They remade Maximum Overdrive. Did they? As Trucks, which is the title of the original short story. When the hell did that um, come out? I'm, actually, that might have been a TV thing. I was going to say, because um, I, I think we would have seen more pu- publicity shots of the Green Goblin's face on the front of an 18-wheeler. Yeah. Uh, what have we got <laughs> did, here? Did King direct the film version of Maximum yes, Overdrive? Yes, the only thing he's directed is, by all accounts, mm, terrible. <laughs> no, I've seen it. It's... It's campy, it's good, campy fun. Um, <laughs> the machines come to life, exemplified by vehicles circling a garage. Yeah, in terms... Don't come out, we'll run you over, mate, or something. In terms of cinematic um, remakes, I think... Um, this is the first one, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, because original Pet Cemetery was 89... Uh, it was a TV miniseries. Because the, um, the Mist was a, a, a film adaptation that then became a TV show. Shining yep. got re- the Shining was remade was as remade a TV, as a TV series, series by Stephen King, and it which was by all accounts was not very good. Um, it's really bad. Yeah. And about five uh, hours long. Yeah. So it's bad and five hours of your life. Uh, the, a lot of his stuff was... Oh yeah, so no, Trucks was a TV movie. Ah, right. So the remake of Maximum Overdrive under its original title, Trucks, was a TV movie. Does it um, narrow it down to just being about vehicles? Because isn't Maximum Overdrive about all tech, but vehicles primarily I think like they the, are all, the big visual threat? I think they are all, all vehicles. Um, I bet they didn't get are, clearance using there the are many, <laughs> There are many... Hey, Disney, can we use your villain's face in this horror movie? <laughs> no. There are many Children of the Corn and Sometimes They Come Back sequels. <laughs> So there you go. Um, yeah, I think. And the Dark Tower TV. Well, the Dark Tower TV. Carrie was remade twice, but the first one was a TV movie. Wow. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, which was a stealth pilot for a TV show. What? I don't know if it got made. I can't remember. Why? Why would? Why? Um, why would you do that? Yeah. So why would you want to make Carrie into a show? It works Carrie better as a one-off was, story. I don't know. Carrie was remade. Um, 2015? Yeah, with, uh, Roger McCullough. Chloe Moretz. That's the one! By that, by that point. Yeah. Um, I think that's, uh, no, that's Children of the Corn was remade, but as a TV movie. Um, there's lots of shorts, like adaptations of his various, um, short stories because he sells the rights for, like, a dollar. Mm. If they're not for profit, what? Like they're called dollar babies. They're like these things where, like, 
he has a th- he has a he has a deal where he will sell you the rights to one of his short stories for a dollar if you're not if you're making a non-profit version like as a film student or uh, oh wow yeah, yeah. oh that's really cool um I'm sorry, that's really freaking cool. So, yeah. like, so like, he can then op- he can still option that to other studios and stuff. Yeah. But if you want the rights to a him signed off and legally yeah. allowed version that's not for profit, you pay. Me- Why the fuck? I, I don't think it can be Matt. That's like one pound thirty. What the fuck are we doing? I don't know if he's still doing it. <laughs> Let's make the mist. He was doing it. I don't know. If Let's he's make still the doing mist it. in a shopping mall um, in bloody like Yorkshire or something. Uh, digga, 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 digga. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, I think that's it. I think it's just this and. <clears throat> they've had cinematic releases I think it's just this and um, Carrie. and Carrie mm. I well think, I think the trailer's believe. really well edited and it looks eerie it looks eerie the kids the kids wearing the the animal masks and in the little funeral parade that's new that's okay. not a thing from the book as far as I'm aware okay. I've not finished the book yet but yeah sometimes sometimes dead the is last better. chapter's better <laughs> Sometimes Michael C. Hall narrates a good audiobook. Um, so when you finish the book, will you bury it in the, the, the woods behind your house? Bury it in the old Micmac burial ground, and maybe it'll come back. Or sometimes it comes back wrong. My dog came back. He, he never hurt no one. But, uh, he didn't stop smelling, no matter how many times you bathed him. I give him a bath and he still smelt like death. Um, and finally... Imagine if that was the only condition. They come back. Is, are they cursed? No, they're perfectly fine. They just smell a bit. That, that is the thing that happens in the book. <laughs> we, just put like, lav- we just put little lavender pouches in the pockets of all back, their clothes. Uh, uh, so the, the, like the animals that come back just smell all the time. <laughs> no matter how much you bathe them. Because uh, they're dead. Um, <laughs> speaking of dead is better... Dark Phoenix trailer also came out. Yeah, no longer X-Men Dark Phoenix, just Dark Phoenix with the X circled and yeah. all the promo material. Like, Fox don't have a fucking clue what they're doing, do they? Well, they've obviously... They don't know what they're doing. They're obviously most of the way through post-production because that trailer is full of effect shots. A lot of them the practical effect shots, but a lot of them visual effect shots too. Yeah. And as you pointed out, like, yeah, they've obviously, they're obviously aiming to finish this film. However, the interesting thing was this dropped last week while I was away. It dropped, and it drops with the release date of February 14th, so a Valentine's Day release. Yeah. And then a day later, Fox announced the release dates of its upcoming um, superhero stuff, including a Deadpool PG-13, Deadpool 2 PG-13 limited release. Oh, fuck off. Later this year. Don't know why. That that was going to be fucking awful. It's going to be so... I rewatched it on the plane yesterday. If you PG thirteen release that movie, you're gonna lose some of the best visual bits from it. You're gonna have to completely lose the baby like scene. Yeah. Because it doesn't make sense. And also it it's not that great fifteen rated. No. Like, let's be honest. I enjoyed it more the second time. I think 'cause I, I think as I knew what I, what I was going yeah, for. I yeah. came out of it going, that parachuting sequence is actually really funny. Uh, that's like the best bit of the film. No, Zazy Beats is the best bit of the film. Oh, She's yeah. freaking great. And Josh Brolin is fantastic as Cable. Yeah. Um, and the one blatant reference to Infinity War, like in the third act where he just calls him yeah. Thanos, and it's like... But <laughs> a lot of that a lot of that nice. humour doesn't work for me as it is. Mm. If you remove a lot of it by toning it down to a PG-13 level, mm. it, won't be, it won't be a 12A over here. And also the film That's going to work even less for I'll me, go I watch think. It, I'll go watch it if they somehow re-edit more Miranda Baccarin into it. Um... Mm. Because she's great. Hmm. Um, and not in it enough. 
No spoilers. So, um, yeah, they also announced that Dark Phoenix was put back to June slash July. After we after we just the day before got a trailer saying February. Oh, right, so it's coming out. Oh, wait, it's June, been put back again. June 7th, 2019, according to IMDb at the moment. There Expected, that's not confirmed. Expected. And that was after it was meant to come out earlier this summer. Yeah. No what conf- the fuck is going no on with this movie? No confirmation on new movements other than 2019. Nah. They've, con- they've confirmed 2019. That's not happening. But that's it. So that's I'm just going to say it now. Fox, sell these movies to Netflix. Have Netflix be their screener. Have an eventual Blu-ray DVD release for purists who want them in the collection. Ugh. Call it a day. It just looks boring though. Hey. Hey, Magneto's in it as a sort of good guy, sort of bad guy. Oh, don't care. Hey, hey, Jean apparently has a separate personality that's the Phoenix. Oh, fuck off. Hey, 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 hey. Mystique still plays a prominent role despite not wanting to be in it. Oh, God, why? Let's not do that. I mean, the costumes finally look good. The uniforms actually look like X-Men uniforms. Christopher. Yeah. Let's talk about something we actually want to talk about. And we spent far too long already not talking about. Yeah. We're here today to talk about Sprint. See, <laughs> sorry. That's, that's, that's one of my favourite quotes from one of my favourite episodes of one of the best shows of the 90s. Doctor Who's back. Yes, it is. Which wasn't on in the 90s, but it was freaking well on last weekend. Um, I I didn't see it on the day of release because apparently America simulcasted that episode on Sunday. I told you so they were going to do it. So it was 2 p.m on BBC America that day we ended up taking a rest day and then going out in the evening had I known that I would have mentally prepared myself for that and worked my day around that however at like 25 past 2 I climbed out of the pool at the villa went upstairs to have a shower and then went oh shit Doctor Who's on right now if I'd have gone out of the pool half an hour ago I could be watching it oh balls so then I made up for it by getting home yesterday and watching it twice I, I watched it on transmission series 11 Doctor Who, the modern run. It begins. Episode one, the woman who fell to earth, starring Jodai Waitakai as the director. Um, Doctor. Uh, Tanzan Cole. Um, um, Bradley Walsh. Uh, Bradley Walsh. Uh, oh God, what's everyone's names? I'm looking it up now. I've got to use the names because they're all brilliant and I want to be able to sound them off. I can't remember. I should. We should I know. I know the name. I know the name of the actor who plays Yaz, and I've suddenly forgotten her name. She's got a great name. Um. Oh God, cast list, cast list. I'm right, finding right, it. Right, I'm right. finding no, it. I'm no, finding no, it. I'm just singing it. I'm just singing it while you find it. Cast list. Cast list. Tra la la. Um. <laughs> if, if she, if he ever finds the cast list, I'll turn you into a prince. It you will. Is Mandip Gill. Mandip Gill. What a wonderful name. Yeah. Um. So Mandip Gill as Yaz. Uh, Townsend Cole. Is it? Uh, Tosin Cole. Tosin Cole. As Ryan as Sinclair. Ryan, uh, Bradley Walsh as... Uh, blah, 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 Graham. Graham. And, um, oh, what's her name? What's her name? What's her name? Uh, his wife. Oh, my God. Because uh, I want to give her a shout out. She was excellent. No. That's uh, not her. That's not really her. There's no pictures, so That's I right, can't look tell. At names, look at the names. Look at the names. What's Graham's um, surname? <laughs> He's actually Ryan. credited as Tim Shaw. Oh, that's oh, brilliant. brilliant. No, it is. It is Grace. That's, that's, that, that's not her. In the picture up top. That's not her in the picture up top. Um, yeah, Sharon D. Clark is Grace. 
Uh, I want to give her a shout out because she was my favourite part of the episode. Mm. Uh, which, minor spoilers going ahead. Minor spoilers. We won't go like insanely in depth for those who maybe not have watched it yet. Also, I, I, think, I think as it's week one, let's hold back slightly. I think everyone has seen it because we've got so many emails about it. So we'll go into okay. spoilers with emails. Yeah, yeah. But I we'll think. keep minor spoilers here. And if you don't want to know anymore and want to watch it, call it a day. But... This episode sets up in a way where she's not going to be in the series really going forward, and that sucks because she was lovely. Yeah, um, it's Tim, one of those. I can't believe that character's actually credited as Tim Shaw. That's so good. That is wonderful. That was one of the. Be- that, that means that if they ever was... do a toy, it's going to have to be called Tim Shaw. Tim Shaw. That's fantastic. His, Tim Shaw. His design. Was oh, frick- and the way it was shot because you know, right? So first, <laughs> and also the way. Yeah. <laughs> Was that character Carl? Yeah. He was brilliant. I laughed um, more during this episode than I did during the entirety of the Pete Capaldi <laughs> era. Oh, oh, you laugh more in this for the right reason. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Than, yeah. It um, was actually funny. So, okay, let's just start. Let's do by points. By points. The first thing that struck me about this yeah. was the direction. Yeah. The directors on Doctor Who, all of them, since the reboot began, have been very capable and have all done a fantastic job. Certain, certain ones stand out for certain shots. If you look at episodes like... Um, Heaven Sent. Rachel Talele's direction in Heaven mm. Sent is excellent. I'm not a big fan of her direction across the 12th Doctor's era, but I really... That episode is fucking astounding work, and she should be very proud of it. It's really, really cool. Um, uh, what's his name? He directed... Oh, the finale of Series 1. His name's escaped me, and it's really annoying me, but I'll get Yours back went? to it. No, not yours, no, um, um, Fuck, I don't know. Fuck, fuck, I don't know. That guy. Um, yeah. I don't bloody know. Well, but, like, but like Graham Harper, obviously... The director from the classic era brought back for this one because Graham Harper, can... Joe Ahern, directed Joe Ahern, uh, yeah. the first series. Oh, finale. Joe Ahern, um, Bad Wolf, Part of the Ways, excellent. Graham Harper, reason he was brought back, he's one of the best directors on television, British yep. TV. Uh, on the plane on the way there, I rewatched uh, Inside Number Nine, Bernie Clifton's dressing room, which I think is actually tied with the Twelve Days of Christine for my favorite episode. Okay, I don't, there's just something about that two-hander between them and just the way it's done is so good. <laughs> but. Um, but that's directed by Graham Harper, and I only realised that on my rewatch. At the end, it said director Graham Harper. I was like, oh, of course, like because it's just it's there's a lot of care oh, and there's a lot of care and patience in some yeah. of the stuff he does. Um, uh, the director of this episode, give yourself a freaking pat on the back because the tone of this was amazing. This felt, I'm going to say it now, from a TV sort of viewpoint, like you know, working within television kind of viewpoint. Jamie Childs was the director. Jamie Childs, well done, Jamie Childs. Because from a TV direction viewpoint, TV working viewpoint, I looked at this and realised as I was watching it. This this episode is not the biggest budget episode. Like there is, there are a lot of shortcuts here. A lot of very simple sets. There's a couple of complicated ones, like the crane sequence and stuff. Yeah. There was definitely stuff where money was spent the, to the, get the shots the, they needed. The the uh, lightning <clears throat> creature thing. Yeah, that, that looked, looked great. great. Um, that looked really cool. Uh, but like for example, Tim Tim Shaw. Tim Shaw. Um, that I could I could picture that in sure. I could picture that in the previous thirteen years worth of the show. Yeah. And it being directed and lit in a way where it doesn't come off as intimidating as it did. Yeah. In this, they knew how to shoot that costume. But the whole thing set at night, pretty yeah. much. Oh yeah. Well they but well, like, the action of it. Like they knew night, how anyway, to yeah. they knew how to shoot that costume. Um the sound effects helped a lot. It sounded bulky and powerful. Yeah. Like just the little the movement of the hand, you could hear the servos in like that the, the the gauntlet moving and stuff like that. It was like, wow, that's an intimidating villain right there. Yeah. Um so intimidating, he kills off an innocent grandfather who is deliberately set up in a two days away from retirement style way. Yep. 
in a way got, in a way that made me laugh because it was so darkly funny. It's got that bloodthirstiness that classic Who has in yes, spades. Yeah. Um, where it's but, like, oh, this 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 nice innocent side character that you've just met, they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> So's their entire family. Um, the the shot at the church when we get to daylight at the end looked gorgeous. Oh, that whole scene, the charity shot, the way that the curtain Great. shot is framed is so good, really good. This looked amazing. The final shot of the episode oh. was really twisted. That was a cracker. And it was great. And oh my God, we're back to the 60s classic series thing of the, the end. I hope they carry this on. The end of each episode is the tag for the next one. Yeah. And we don't get a next time trailer. I would love I actually that. really like the coming soon where it just showed all the guest stars. A friend it- of the show guy pointed out on Twitter that that may not be necessarily, necessarily gripping for the kids. But it definitely would be for the adults, yeah. Because it was just here's all the guest stars coming up. But so also, you had adults who go, "Oh God, I love him in that drama," or "I loved her in that soap," and and they want to like tune in. But also, it gave nothing away. Yeah, it gives you a little taste of the visual flavor of every story. Yeah, but gives nothing away. Absolutely. And then I watched on online afterwards. I watched the trailer for the next episode, and again, it doesn't. It doesn't give no, it doesn't away. give anything away. Which is amazing because I like Tim Shaw. I can't believe we're calling Tim him Shaw. that. Like he he and and his uh, thingy his thingy <laughs> coil is like the, the what was revealed to be yeah. a a a part of something rather than a species. Like when we saw that, I realised we've not seen a single damn thing of this. Nope, not a glimpse of this. And because of that, right. it's much more effective. And I really hope going forward we don't see it plastered everywhere you know, as you, well. You go look at you go look at the the trailers for the series. No monsters in any of them. Yeah, they they've done this on purpose. And so I'm so glad they did because he was such a cool surprise. The way he was shot, the way that was shot, the use of the blue lightning and the lighting scheme and the dark train compartment was really nice. Yeah. Um, enough on direction, because we could we'll wax lyrical about this all day. But great. Loved it. Um, the music. Oh, yeah. The show feels different because yeah. it sounds different. Yeah. Um, no slight on Murray Gold, but it was very obvious over the last five years, especially, that Murray was basically being commissioned to write maybe six new pieces of music a series. If that. If that, and a lot of it was being recontextualized and reused from previous years, um, and the production recordings <clears throat> weren't being updated, yeah. So some of that music sounded cheap, yeah, in a way that in terms of in terms of how yeah. it sounded, that, because yeah. it, because because they were using older recordings that didn't necessarily use full orchestration, using more synths and mixing them in with more orchestrated pieces, yeah. And so it just sound, it sounded sounded context uneven. too, like when when series yeah. eight. Next time trailers used Matt Smith's theme. Yeah, like it was like, why? Why are we hearing "I Am the Doctor"? Like the hell, this feels weird. So oh, it was already going to sound new, but Christ, the composer's done a good job. It sounds there's a lot more of an electronica vibe in the soundtrack. Yeah, right down to essentially the sample of the opening titles we get as the end titles. Yeah, because the only time in the episode you hear the there's theme no title before. sequence. Like you hear the theme briefly when the Doctor first arrives. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, over the end credits, you can sort of see out of focus, and I wonder if that's been done on purpose. The vortexy design yeah. we're going to be seeing from now on—it looks sort of like paint rippling. It looks really cool. But you hear it; it's bass heavy instead, isn't it? It's yeah. like it's focusing more on the well, that sort of metallic percussion yeah. as well, which is really cool. Which is different, and and definitely having rewatched the you know the heart layer recently, it definitely. It's got that kind of that that vibe is there. I, I I'd like I, I'm waiting to see the titles properly, but I, I I'd like a little bit more on the 
you like maybe just a bit different in volume but yeah. come see come sir i'll probably be a little bit later doesn't really matter i like the snippet but the episode sounds great the electronica vibe to a lot of the sounds sounded great the, yeah. sort of the more whimsical string stuff that was starting to peek through during like the scene with the sonic and stuff sounded really cool oh it was awesome just um you know what i liked about it yeah i liked about it no no mythology building no, no nods for setup. Those, nods for those who know what it means. Yeah, but, but no. it was all done in a way where it was like, "What's she going on about?" They're not and setting some, up, you know, somewhat someone in each family watching it's going. I know what she's going. There's on no about. setting up some big grand mystery. Yeah, there's no, um, there's no like this is going to the arc for the next season. Even the TARDIS, like none of that. Who did stuff. this? Why did that happen? None of that. She's just like, mm-hmm. I need to find it. Yeah, I've lost the TARDIS. It. Oh dear. Um. Oh bugger. Um. <laughs> What it is, Let's get a shift on. there's no, there's no, there's no extraneous narrative. It's a story about a bunch of characters who get thrown together, and the effects that in a very cinematic, in a very cinematic, we're all ha- coincidentally yeah. we all happen to be involved in this at the same yeah. time kind of way. Which cosmic circumstance, you get over that stuff quickly. It's yeah. an introductory story. You're just a, happy to meet these people, and it's a personal story. Like <clears throat> the they opening don't... With, with the opening, yeah, with Ryan freaking beautiful really good like from the from the moment it opened the tone was this is about people and the way it bookends that yes with the bait and switch of and who the fa- and the fact that they obviously he's talking about they obviously spent a bit of money to get the licensing to actually use youtube as well which is different. i know because they never see you don't see the title of the site oh you do top corner do you? very top oh, yeah it's okay. youtube like but it's, it's not fo- it's not in focus and the shot does slowly pan into the page yeah slide. but but because i remember spotting that i think it's on the second one i was like yeah oh wow wow but yeah. that, but that's great because it does that does bring that because that's another thing realism. Um, this is the first time probably since series four where I have believed this is set in a place where we're going to meet people and see their lives. Yeah, because the Moffat companions don't really get that, and the, the first one because that's part of the mystery. But and the fairy tale vibe of series five. But then after that, it really is just a case of oh, real life's that thing we'll occasionally reference. Well, I was talking. Whereas, whereas like the reboot of the show when it first came back was very much about Rose Tyler and here's the world she comes from. Yeah, and we're, I was. We're going to pop back to that from time to time. I was thinking the same thing about yeah. um about that when oh, after watching this was like what worked about all the Russell T Davies companions is they were fleshed out as characters. In that first adventure, or yeah, very, episode, short, or very early one, on, yeah. In episode Whereas, one, you know who they are and where they're from, and by yeah. by the end of episode two, you're like, I get who this person is completely. And that was that was a slower process with Amy and Rory, but it was there. Yeah, it, it, it sort of was purposely distant a bit in series five yeah. because the point of series five was meant to be that fairy tale, like, oh, this is weird. What's yeah. happening? We're being whisked off on an adventure, and but blah, they blah, still blah. felt like people. Yeah, especially I, in that first episode, there's enough of their lives. Oh, in the stuff in Ledworth, see, yeah, and in Amy's choice in the yeah. fake Ledworth, you still learn about who they are and what they think of each other and their relationship yeah. and family and stuff like that. Whereas Clara got none of that. <clears throat> yeah, well, the, because uh, of the her way she was and her living thing, like. She's looking after these kids who we see in The Bells of St. John and then Nightmare and Silver and then they're never referenced again. Nope. Who was that family? Who was the bloke she was like babysitting for us and she was like living in the house as the nanny? Like yep. what was that about? Like are we ever going to see him again? Nope. Like she obviously must be really good friends with this man if she like lives in the house and looks but after the kids. they couldn't decide what they were doing with her. Oh she's a teacher now. All oh, right, so we're going to meet her dad kind of and her stepmom. Does she have any animosity with her stepmom? Because we learned in... Uh, Rings of Aka 10 that she like really misses her mother like to the point where she keeps that leaf yeah like she really misses her mum what's her relationship with the stepmom oh we don't really see she gets on with her grand but we get to know her grand no we'll have two scenes where she's talking to her in two different episodes randomly yeah 
Christ's sake, it's so good to know that this one was this one is very much based in. And I get I get the wording. In the marketing it's felt really weird and forced, but I get it. They're not calling these characters companions in anything. They're referring no. to them as the doctor's friends yeah. or the doctor's best friends. And I get it because they do feel like a like obviously in this one, not fully developed, to the point where at the end she's like, I'm gonna miss you a lot almost. And you sort of get the sense of, you know, she's like, oh, this has been fun, but yeah. I've really got to go now. Sorry, I have to leave. But you get the sense this lot are going to get on really well as the stories go on. Um, Just before we go um, into emails, can we talk a little bit about Bradley Walsh? Yeah, absolutely. And how he was fucking brilliant oh, in this. Great. He was great. And again, like, I I, I, <laughs> I really liked his contribution to Doctor Who before because he was, um, he was uh, Bob uh, and the Pied Piper... And, and whatnot in Sarah Jane Adventures mm-hmm. uh, Day of the Clown. He plays three. He plays the same character in three different incarnations in that, and he's really creepy in it, and he's really good, and he goes for it. He's the monster of the week in that story, yeah, yeah. and he goes for it. And it's like he gets this world, and he gets the having done Sarah Jane Adventures, he gets the family entertainment side of it. Well, yeah, even apart from having done Sarah Jane Adventures, he's oh, yeah. a family entertainer. He is, yeah, yeah. But but we've not seen him as the, for as the a performer long time. for a long time. Yeah. Um, did he do a stint in Corey for a bit? Did a bit. Did a stint in Corey. Corey. He did because I think that's where I first encountered him. Like in terms of seeing him regular and, and getting to know who he, he was. He did Law and Order UK. Yes. Yeah. Which was terrible. Which was. Uh, but Chibnall was involved in that. So Chibnall that's was where, involved that's in where that. the seed of that relationship yeah. begins. Um, he was wonderful. He was a proper sort of like fussy granddaddy kind of character who's still. They're not playing it. He's not like Wilf Grandad. He's the younger yeah. Grandad kind of vibe. I mean, right down, also, to the, right down to the fact that he calls Grace Babe at one point in a way that doesn't feel weird. It's like I believe that those two, those two basically feel like teenagers when they're with each other. And he, and he and wants that's really to be, sweet. But then when she gives him a kiss on the train, he's like, "Get off it." It's always over. like he really wants to be Ryan's Grandad, but he isn't. But he's also like annoyed with him. Yeah, for like, yeah, and, and and I like the way they play that. Like there's one bit where Graham is kind of nasty and you realise that it's yeah. in the heat of the moment, but it's also because he's stressed and but now, frustrated. And... the fact that those two characters are going to get thrown together yeah. without the 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 intermediary of his of his grand. So so Yaz is a constable who really wants to do more than just be given the odd job. Yeah. So she's already because that's another thing that's great about the companions of the modern era, there's that thirst for adventure. Yeah. She wants to do more. Yeah. So you look at her and you go, you're going to fit right in. Graham I think Graham's going to be inspired by his relationship with Grace and her attitude in terms of how he's going to be going forward. He's yeah. going to be like I'm getting stuck in. Ryan, Christ, this show really makes you like him immediately. Oh, yeah. Because they introduce his dyspraxia without him actually talking about it. He yeah. sort of avoids saying it outright. They don't explain what it is until way later yeah, on. Yeah, and it's just a casual line. Yeah, yeah. And you realise, because of how casually Grace says it, how much it really weighs on him and how he looks at it as like a, as a chip on his shoulder. It's, yeah. it, it, it's, it's the monster under his bed. And he doesn't want to talk about it and he doesn't want to face it head on. He's getting sick of trying to like practice his balance and, and feel his balance more like riding the bike and everything. Um, so because of that, when he does go up the ladder, like you, you, you look at him and you go, you are willing to face stuff to do the right thing. Yeah. Even though you know, like even though he loves those moments where he's like, what the hell am I doing? I'm, I'm useless. Or, oh my God, I'm getting, why can't I do this? This is so annoying. He still went for it. And it's like, you're going to fit right in. Yeah. And I instantly, the, if these are the three that we are following into this adventure, can't I, wait instantly love them and I really really strong characters I think I think what's good here is is 
past, I mean, there's been some chatter about Chris Chibnall and the stuff he's done around Doctor Who before, yeah. and how it's not I mean, it's, been it's, great. It's, it's, it, again, opinion but subjective, but it's very hit and miss. I think what he's done here, which is really good, um, and I'll be interested to see, because he's not writing all the episodes, is he? No, he's he's, um, he's done the showrunner thing of writing uh, the majority, but usually Russell or Moffat write like half of the season. I think Chris is writing just under half. I think he's written like five of them. Because I feel like what he's done is he's done a very clever thing. And instead of doing what he's done for the show previously, where mm. he's he's done a sci-fi story yeah. and put these characters in it, yeah. is he's made a character drama and put a sci-fi theme, spin on it. Into the story yeah. for them to deal with. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a strong start for them. It is a strong start. <clears throat> I think we're pr- there's one character we've not talked about yet. I think it's going to come up in the emails. So let's get into the emails because there's one very big character we have yet to even speak about. Um, I've got so much to say. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Right. Let's dive into the emails. Let's do this. Um, so we've got a couple of non Doctor Who full ones. blown spoilers for Doctor Who going forward, guys. Yeah. Um, if you want to know what our opinion on Jodie is. Let's do it in the big damn cast traditional way for those who want to know before spoilers. Uh, how what do we think of Jodie Whittaker in the one who fell to earth in a single noise, Matthew? <laughs> uh, me. <laughs> I just spent so much of my time smiling. laughing and smiling yeah. at things she was doing slash saying. It was it was the facial expressions for me. <laughs> Okay. It's, like, it's like she's making the Sonic and she sort of she has the blowtorch and she just has his face is like Ugh. and then the next shot she's rigged up a bigger one yeah. and you're like okay <laughs> like it's just yeah Sheffield Steel um, Sheffield, Sheffield Steel okay, we've got a couple of, of sort of non, non-related it's on the tip of a what's that? <laughs> tongue tongue uh, good lad a couple of non-related ones first uh, two from from good old Dan Rawlins um not his evil twin, the bad old Dan Actually, Rollins. no, Dan, I'm going to save these for next time when we've got more time. Oh, okay. Because there's some stuff in here I want to get into. So we'll come back to you, Dan. Don't worry, we'll come back to you next time. We're next just going to do the Doctor Who stuff um, first. The bigger um, bombs. Digga, 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 uh, first one from Mitchell Radford. This is a nice, this is a nice quick one. Um, hey, Mitchell. Dick, Chris and Matt, you're some of the best people I've ever listened to, ever. Aww. We've got two discussions still filled with the best humour, love and appreciation for the fantastic show. Warms my heart every time. <laughs> Please never stop being who you are and never stop loving Doctor Who. It's a great as that as we as fans can come together and share our opinions on this great thing that we all love. Oh, thank you. I think that's in reference to last week's episode as well. Your well, episode on the top 10 classic Doctor Who serials was just great. I was going to say, for those who haven't listened to it, last week's episode, 119, um, we just deep dived into our favourite classic yeah. shows. So uh, go give that a listen. So, so many, uh, so heartwarming to listen to and cheer me up so much. I'm surprised neither of you <laughs> mentioned the deadly assassin in your honorable yeah. mentions. Yeah, of course. I know you're quite fond of that one. I do quite like that one. Yeah. Um, I think you showed me that the first time I watched it was with you. Maybe. Correctly. I hadn't seen it before. We either watched it together or you lent it to me when we were, Possibly. Both, when we were both still living up here. Possibly. But we moved down south. I would have been on VHS. Might have been. Yeah, no, you know, it might have been actually. Because the DVD didn't come out until after I moved down to London because I don't have it. Um,. I love that one. Did you watch it at mine? Possibly. I have memories of you and I sitting there watching that story. We we did a lot of watching weird shit at yours when you first moved (laughs) down. Um, (laughs) 
I just want to say thank you for making all my all my time listening to your podcasts a merry one, and I can't wait for the next one. Lots of love from Mitchell. Goodbye, my dears. Cheerio. Oh, I love you, so Mitchell. Not, Bless in, you. not directly dot uh, two related, but I just wanted an ego massage. Um, <laughs> yeah, now we're into the the series. Ego's the nickname for it. Uh, sorry, wait, what? Uh, what series? Now we're into series eleven uh, stuff. Um, this one comes in from George. It says, greetings, big damn lads. It's been a long time, but since coming back from holiday, it's been hard to sync up with your timelines. So I thought, well, better time to get back in your inbox than when Chris is probably jet lagged. <laughs> yes. I would like to take this opportunity to offer you my congratulations, Chris, on your nuptials. Thank you I hope much. you had a wonderful time and wish you both all the happiness patrol in the world. Oh, I'd like I, to... I think that's a good thing. <laughs> I'd like to quickly say that I've watched episode one of series 11 and I'm a bit unsure Ooh. at the moment. I'll be I'll be rewatching to make notes to review one episode fourteen of Nerd Bible Podcast. Hashtag shameless plug. Go uh, for it, Nerd Bible okay. Podcast. Folks. Nerd Bible Podcast. And overall, I think Jody was wonderful on the most part, but the story was a bit all over the place. Looking forward to what the new writers have got for us, and I hope Chibnall doesn't moff at himself. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Um, now it's been a while, so I'm sorry for these questions. Um, obviously. You'd have spoken about the woman who fell to earth, so I'd like to know one thing that you liked you weren't expecting to, and something you didn't like that you thought you would. Hmm. Um, for what? me, I'd, I'm going to do his answer. Uh, for me, I really didn't like the coming soon being just a list of credits trying to entice the audience that might only come back for a certain actor slash actress. However, I did like the twist of the search for the TARDIS being among the stars. It's a nice way to give a spin on the format, as long as it hopefully lasts longer than one episode. Yeah, it would be cool if that was, like... That was the arc of sorts for this series. I don't think it's going to be, though. Um, well, at least for a few episodes. That'd be nice. Like, make us wait. Make us wait for week three before we see the TARDIS. Keep people around. Can you imagine the opening shot, the the closing shot of episode three is opening the doors from the perspective of inside the TARDIS so you don't see what it looks like inside <laughs> until next week. And they're just going, oh, brilliant. Right, going away now. Just leaving yeah. and doing something else for a bit. Yeah. But she puts a lead on it. She can drag it around. <laughs> um, yeah, something something I thought I would like that I didn't. It's not that I didn't like it, but um, I, I I always tend to like the post-regeneration scattiness of the Doctor because it's yeah. been shown in different ways. In this one, it felt a bit done. It was like the, 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 the post-regenerative yeah, yeah. stuff she was going through was very similar to ones we've seen before. So it's sort of like, eh, okay, fair enough. I, I always like the variation of regeneration. Yeah. Um, and the new series has sort of taken that away a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, right down to when she was on the bed recovering, like she sort of breathed out the same. It was like in Christmas Invasion, when she yeah, saw, like, a the... little bit of Artron yeah. energy. Yeah, it's just like eh, is... mm. so. I was a bit, I was a bit disappointed that they didn't experiment with that, but it wasn't like a wasn't like a big letdown or anything. Oh. Some of that I really like that I didn't think I would. Uh, Grace, just because I didn't realize how prominent she was going to be in episode one. Yes, uh, she was bloody wonderful. Yes, <laughs> I really, really liked um, her. One thing I liked that I wasn't expecting. Um, the no title sequence. Mm, yeah. Until the very end, when she's acknowledged who she is, and we know who she is, and then we get the title sequence. Yeah. Well, I'll be at the credit sequence, but whatever. Yeah, we still um, hear a version of the theme. Um, something I expected to like, thought I'd like, but I didn't. I don't know. Like, I honestly went in... Like, it wasn't, it wasn't... The greatest episode yeah. of Doctor Who ever made. But the first ones never are. No. Well, I don't know. They're, I don't know. 11th hour You are quite fucking, fond of 11th, 11th hour. 11th hour is a fucking strong But like, compare, compare Rose to Bad Wolf in terms of like, just quality. Mm, well. And, and feel. 
Yeah, I suppose episode one's a palate cleanser more yeah. than a, more than a hey. But yeah, I think the eleventh hour just sticks in the mind because the pacing of it and that fairy tale vibe was so fresh and odd. Yeah, that it yeah. that it it felt really really cool. But again, like story, the story for a Doctor's introductory episode is always usually kind of here's basic villain threat. Are you getting and, that? Cool. Let's go got, over here and do this now instead. We got way more Jodie in this than we got Tenant in Christmas Invasion. I do like the fact she just arrived. Yeah, like they they don't show that. Like, she, it's about, like, what, ten odd minutes in? She just crashes through the roof of the train. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, she was falling. That's what I mean. Like, they do all that work to yeah. set up the characters before they introduce the Doctor. Yeah. Because and you he, already know who the fucking Doctor is. But even then, like, if you'd never watched... If you hadn't seen the previous one, you yeah. have no idea why that happened. And you'd go, yeah. wait, what? Um, the woman who fell to Earth. Or was that who the title's referring to? Um, oh. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, oh, God, I dug that. Yeah. In case you can't gather, we freaking loved her. And yeah, we thought she was like she was great. But I'm looking forward to seeing. I was looking forward to seeing her doctor a bit more settled. Yeah, which we do, we do, I think we do see by the end. Yeah, we see that that flavor's definitely there. But the, I, I, by the time by the time she's up on the crane, I think we're there. Yeah, that's that's her. It would just be nice to see that 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 doctor do a full episode now. So. Oh yeah, which we will. yeah. Um, uh, I've recently been on a bit of a Mitchell and Webb run recently. Having rewatched Peep Show, Mitchell and Webb look, and would I lie to you? So my question is: favorite comedy double act and <laughs> show? Uh, oh God! So they don't have to be mutually exclusive. There could be a different. I think. Could be different I think the, the implication show. is that they are the same. Okay, Malcolm Wise. Yeah, <laughs> Malcolm and Wise. Like, hands down, like anything they've ever done, Malcolm and Wise. I know. I'm trying to... uh... that class. Just that classic sort of music hall style of comedy that they perfected so well. Yeah. And and as, as summed up beautifully in the TV film Eric and Ernie, um uh they're both um they're they're both the comic, but they both think they're the straight man. Yeah. The difference is Eric's a bit the Eric's a bit more surface level arrogant and cheeky, but they both think they're being sensible. One just winds the other one up. They they're just they it's just great. <clears throat> Especially the fact that Ernie is is you know, like, you know, no, 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 we, we've got to do this properly. And it's like, you're just as stupid as the other guy. You just don't realise it. It's yeah. such a wonderful dynamic. Yeah. They were so good. And they're just warm. It's just warm to watch them. They're really, they, they feel like a bank holiday Monday. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, I don't have to go to work today. I'm going to sit around in my pyjamas and watch Morecambe and Wise. It's yeah. just a really lovely feeling. Um, Morecambe and Wise, hands down. On a quick side note, I've, I found your celebrity counterparts. Chris is Jason Manford. Oh. Matt, Matt is Bill <laughs> Bailey. Oh, yeah, and, no, and, okay. And, and because of the voice, I found that Charlie reminded me of Peter Serafinovich. <laughs> yeah, Charlie's off that sort of deeper timbre, yeah, isn't he? He's he's very he's very classy. We, next time we get him on, we should get him to say he's what a bunch of a holes. Effortlessly classy. <laughs> and finally, what are your thoughts? I, I, I resent the Manford comparison. I think you just say that because we're both from Manchester. I, and finally, finally. <laughs> For this email, not for the whole thing. Uh, there's so many emails. And uh, finally, what are your thoughts on the rumored Avengers Four title Annihilation? Thanks again, boys. It's been too long. Hope to be bothering you with more questions soon. Hope you both have a wonderful week. Boys! Goodbye, my dears, George. I know um, you want it to be Avengers Forever. It's Avengers Forever. Not even Avengers Forever. Just Avengers Forever. It's Avengers Forever. If it's about time travel, which it probably is, it could be Avengers Forever. I think the title has something in it that gives away the direction they're going because I think the title alludes to a different Marvel story. And that's... That you know what I mean, like the, the, like how Age of Ultron wasn't an adaptation of Age of Ultron, but the yeah. title sort of gave a suggestion of it. 
like this is about Ultron and conquest. And Annihilation's stuff. a uh, it's a thingy special, <clears throat> isn't it? It's a it's a Ruffalo special that he's let slip, isn't it? So it might well, be no, true, I know, might I, know, not be I, know true. I know he's I know he's him and the Ruffalos, uh, Mark Ruffalo. What am I talking about? Him and him and um, the Russos have been really playing around publicly. They, they like, like he does like to troll people. He announced it on um, Kimmel or Fallon or somewhere, yeah. and they 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 be obviously fake and they beep it out. And then on Twitter afterwards, like he sent that show like a tweet saying, "Hi, is there any chance you could send that out? Please DM me." And then the Russo <laughs> retweeted it with the caption, "Mark, you're fired." <laughs> oh, Chris Evans wrapped last week. Yeah. Photography for the additional shoot is still yeah. happening because uh, Karen Gillan was uh, but, uh, necula on Instagram last hey. night on her story. She was like basically shooting while she was made up from the neck down. Very good. So you know, there's there's still some photography going on, but Chris Evans has he's wrapped has, bid, Captain has America. bid goodbye to to Cap. So it's gonna be interesting to see how that's resolved I in the film. Think so I still hope it's an alternate timeline where he makes it to that dance. That'd be good. That would be wonderful. And it means that him and Hayley Atwell would have a lovely little, there you go, little full stop and a little, little couple of little kisses at the end of that letter. And there you go. You can you can mail that off and, and be done with this and have a happy ending for your And also we see some more Hayley Atwell. Which is always a good thing. Um, This one comes in from Tom Monty. A man of many Monty's. Dear Chris and Matt. <gasps> he knows our names. Doctor Who was quite something. I enjoyed it. The lack of Moffat was very visible. Yeah. I don't know why I'm doing this announcer voice. I'm not sure. Um, Is that the new Tom Monty? Yeah, I guess so. Um, I like the characters... Tom Monty in the 22nd century. I like the characters... I don't know why that was the reboot I decided to focus on. I like the characters more than I was expecting to, and I was expecting to like the... No. Uh, not doing the billboard <laughs> thing. I like the characters more than I was expecting to, and Graham is a standout for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's because he got... I would imagine they're all going to have like nice meaty bits... It coming up like this episode, Graham got the meaty stuff with his with his wife Diana, and then his backstory of uh, the, yeah. the, her being his chemo nurse and him being in remission and yeah, oh so good. Uh, but I think they're probably all gonna they get out that that stuff out. Um, I know I know it's about the group, but didn't it feel like our lead quote or companion unquote was definitely Ryan? Yeah. That's refreshing. He's the one who brings that's it together. refreshing and different. Yeah, it's weird because yeah. like Yaz obviously a big part of it, and she was great. Mandip was fantastic, but it's yeah. it feels like Ryan. Ryan is our is our way window in because he's the one we get introduced to properly. Yeah, and obviously it's yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's an ensemble, but like it was it was it it. And it's, some might argue it's because it's a female doctor, so they've decided to make the the male companion be the one that leads us in. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. But it, it still felt different, yeah. Because the companion lead is never the male, like it's always. Do you yeah, know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. It, it was a different feeling, and it was kind of oh, okay, this is cool. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I didn't think much of the monster, but it had a nice design. I don't think we're meant to. I think it's just like it's a cool monster that's background and brings everyone together. It's not. Yeah, it was the predator. Yeah. 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 It was. It was the predator for kids TV. And he's got a face of teeth. Like he's got a face of teeth. Um, as for thirteen, <laughs> Tim Shaw. As for thirteen, I enjoyed her on-screen presence. I love that it's actually. But I feel like Chibnall gave her too much humour for episode one. I think a lot of that is the post-generation stuff. Yeah, the post-generation um, mania. I still need to see I mean, more watch, of Watch her... the TV movie and then Paul McGann is essentially like, he's being dashing and breathless and sort of like, Chris, what is this? Yeah. But like, all of his stuff is amusing. It's all quietly sort of like, oh, it's meant to make you go like, 
<laughs> well, that's funny. So like, yeah. that's kind of a trope. Yeah. Like, unless it's Castrovalva, in which case um, you're sleeping in a bloody pill. Very boring. Uh, <laughs> I still need to see more of him before I make my mind up about Well, I would like to see if Whitaker is capable of bringing out the fury of the Time Lord. I don't know. I think the, the, the whole righteous fury thing that Tennant and Matt Smith did can probably go away for a bit now. Mm, I, got, I hope it, so. It, yeah. it built... It, it had too much of the... The building... Him building his own myth. Which I yeah. just got a bit tired of. So... But I, I liked that when she was... When um, the the uh, what's his name Gav, is it kicks Tim Shaw off the crane, mm-hmm. and she's like, "You had no right to do that." Mm. Um, and then that's it. She doesn't give him a big fucking lecture. Yeah, he just calls him I mean, out. To be on fair, it. it was a pretty fr- freaking cool shot. It was and very of course, cool. Shot. I think I think we were all Carl in that moment. We all would have been like, "Yeah, he's, he's going to teleport somewhere. I'm going to kick him." Carl, Carl, Carl was a great yeah. little um, addition as well. He was a great little one-off character. I am valued. Um, I think. <laughs> So Somebody out there ch- wants that me. That little chuffed look after he says that and picks up his mug and just like, oh, oh. I really hope nothing bad happens to this guy. He seems like a lovable dork. <laughs> yeah, but I like I like that she's angry at him, but we don't get like a big lecture about it. Yeah, because if it was if it was Moffat era, it'd be like, I am the only one who gets to decide who lives or dies. I am the eternal time lord, and I have control over all the things. It's just like, oh, fuck off. Yeah, she's a stranger. She's um, passing through, and if she sees somebody who needs help, she can't resist. Um, I was surprised in the decision to kill off Grace in episode one, as I thought she was meant to be a recurring character. To what extent do you think this is the end of Grace in series eleven? It wouldn't surprise me if Graham's arc, either in this series or whenever he leaves the show, ends with him trying to save her mm, once he realizes that he can travel in time or like speak with um yeah speak with her in some way absolutely yeah i don't think i don't think try and save her because that and obviously it's been over 10 years but it would be too much of a repeat of father's day i, I think, don't know i think i think we could get a but reprise of father's you could day totally ha- you could totally have a story where he's like i just i want i'd like to see her one more time yeah yeah and not not a preventing her death thing yeah but a story where he goes back and it is about that care of you really can't go much further than just seeing it you can't mm. do it. you've got to be so fucking careful i, I you I, could play you could play on that for sure it wouldn't surprise me if they come back to it once he realizes that the tardis is a time machine um do you think it was a good idea not to show the new tardis in episode one towards the end i was sort of waiting for it to show up and when i didn't and when it when it didn't i was a bit disappointed yeah, they they got your hook, line, and sinker, Tom. That's yeah. exactly what they wanted. They wanted you to be ex- ex- anticipating for it, and it didn't show up, so you got to see it next week. You want to stick around and see it, don't you, Tom? Yeah. yeah, yeah there see? you go. Uh-huh. Um, as for being disappointed, hmm, delayed gratification can be a wonderful thing. Um, <laughs> Put it this way. For years, we're Moffat going, oh, maybe we'll touch on this at some point, and then they never do. No. You know you're going to see the TARDIS. Yeah. So savour the build-up. Enjoy don't worry it. about it. Um, what did you think of the music? I thought it went well with the episode, but nothing really stood out, which I'm sure will change as the series go on. I, I think we'll get used to the themes and stuff, the new the new character theme stuff as it, as it goes on. But yeah, it, the fact that it didn't stick out was what worked for me because it's like, oh yeah, it's good music. It's good incidental music and the theme is good. Yeah. Um, how do you think the Tidus team will escape the position they are left at the end of episode one? The Heart of Gold will come and pick them up. Um... <laughs> And is it just me, or does Ryan's room look like Elton's in Love and Monsters? Probably. Um, yeah, a little bit. I thought. I, I think know. that's just because we're looking at a companion character talking to a webcam. And also, I I don't remember what it looks like because Love and Monsters is the worst modern Doctor Who story. No, yes, it's not. No, right. it's not. Um, I hope you had a lovely wedding, Chris. Sun Yours, Tom Monte. Thanks, Tom. I did. It was bloody wonderful. This one <laughs> comes in. This one comes in from Ian. 
Ian says of the planet Ian. This is my Mary Whitehouse. <clears throat> I am shocked. What was that? The BBC ruined Doctor Who. Where was Chris Marshall? I didn't see him at all. Just kidding, but I'll save my review for later. But congratulations on getting married, Christopher, and tat tat for now. Oh, thank you very much, Ian. Bless your um, eye and indeed your leg. This one comes in from Sam. Hey, Sam. Says, hi, Big Damn Casters. Long time listener here. Basically from episode one. Oh my God, Sam. Absolutely love the podcast every week and thought I would write in about that new series of that show that we like. Ah, yes. Foil's War. My... <laughs> My love for the show has totally renewed again. Hey. I've been renewed, have you? Um, I've been renewed, have I? Uh, it's so fresh and bright and colourful, even for an episode set mainly at night. Yes, yes. Yeah. I was so bored of the brown and grey, and it's like an explosion, and as soon as we cut to Ryan riding his bike, I knew I was going to love it. Well, the warehouse where the pod got taken, like it was all teals and oranges. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, soft, not, not like, it was just It's just nicely done, nicely well, visually done. Lovely. Um... I instantly care for the entirety of the main cast and I cannot wait to see their adventures. Jodie is without a doubt the Doctor and I love Tosin, Mandip and Bradley Walsh. Uh, I did love Sharon D. Clark's character so did have this horrible sense of dread throughout the last half of the episode. <laughs> but you do, don't you? As yeah. soon as you realise where this is going, you're like, uh, she's not in the TARDIS like, crew. Yeah, n- not seen her not... in any publicity images yeah. aside from that like first one of his, they're, everybody in the series. They're going to they're gonna be the TARDIS team but she's not in the... She's not getting out of this alive. And it was just a case of waiting for it to happen. The moment she went yeah. to, to use the electricity on the, the yeah. coil, I was like, oh God, yeah. please, please be that she just sort of is like, oh, I can't do this. All right, well, don't worry. You'll stay behind. Please be that. Oh, no. It's no, no. Because no. look at that character. She wouldn't stay behind. No, she Would wouldn't. She? Oh God, she gets stuck in. She'll be all about it. Absolutely. She does. She saves a grandson. Yeah. Oh God. Um, oh, it was great. Great, it's really good. But the biggest standout factor of the woman who fell to earth for me was Chibnall's focus on people and showing us the whole world that surrounds the main cast. Every single side character had a line or two just to flesh out who they were, what they cared for, whether it was the granddad speaking to his granddaughter or Carl motivating himself with self-help CDs. It's something I've missed in the show is being able to care for every single person. Long may it continue. Yes, agreed. Yeah. Not enough people in Doctor Who recently. Lots of themes, lots of characters, lots of well, ideas. People stating who they are yeah. instead of us learning about Like the Doctor it. repeatedly stating over and over again. We're the fat, thin, gay, Anglican is. couple. Like, who yeah. else are we going to be called? And you're just yeah. like, all right. Yeah, I, I'm a lizard woman from the dawn of time and this is my wife. Okay, right. I'm a time lord. I'm the last of the time lords. I'm a renegade. I'm the hybrid. Fuck off. Um... <laughs> That theme tune is stellar, absolutely beautiful and unearthly once more. The child inside me does hope that now in the next time trailers they go back to having the theme tune playing over them, especially with that arrangement. Roll on next Sunday. It wouldn't surprise me if we don't get any more next time trailers. Yeah. Yeah. I I kind of, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Especially if the end of each episode is a cliffhanger. It's a tale, yeah. Yeah. Cliffhangers are good. And and I think think they should make it optional. I think they should do what they did this week. Um, like without the coming soon trailer, obviously. I think they should do what they did this week, where after the broadcast, apparently you could vouch for this. I didn't see it go out live. There was the little trailer for episode two. Yeah, they should do that. That's, then, yeah, that's what then, I think yeah. they'll move towards. Because then, yeah. if you don't want to see anything for next week and you yeah. want to just be completely cold for the cliffhanger while the credits are rolling, you can turn off. Also, then they just release that on YouTube. Yeah. So and the trailer, go. rather than having to like 
have a different fact, cut of it. Just do it on just do the trailer on yeah. YouTube. Don't do it on TV at all. That's how you th- there you go. You want to grow your online presence, BBC. Here's what you do for Doctor Who. You don't put any next time trailers on the episodes, but you put a next time trailer on the YouTube channel straight after. Genius. So people watch boy. the episode and then go watch it. Genius. His SEO. I guarantee is right I up guarantee there. you folks like Crystal working at BBC um, Studios are making suggestions like that and are hearing back like, well maybe we'll think about it from the people who can actually let them make the decision. Sounds like I the BBC. Guarantee. Um this one comes in from Jean-Luc Harry. Hello, Jean-Luc Harry. Hi, Chris and Matt. It's been a while since my last email, but hey, I'm still alive. I wasn't worried, but it's good to know. Um, <laughs> I thought the woman who fell to earth was pretty good, and it's definitely up there for me as far as openers go. Straight from the get-go, this feels like you're watching a brand new show. Everything from the overall appearance, direction, and not to mention Sagan's amazing score. I particularly liked how this episode focused more on the ca- the characters and building on their relationships as opposed to purely focusing on the new Doctor. Speaking of the new Doctor, Jodie was bloody brilliant! Not only does she feel new and exciting, but I feel she brings something to the role that we haven't quite seen before, yet still containing that quirky smith Tennant side to her character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Shaw was okay as a villain, but I feel a little underdeveloped. Again, he's not there to be the focus of the episode yeah, is there. So it's, it's like, it's like the yeah. first Marvel film in a superhero yeah. series. The villain is there to give the hero a threat to showcase who they are. Yeah, he's an, he's an obstacle. It's about the characters. Yeah. Oh, um, I quite liked his design. I thought it was cool. Yeah, he has a face of teeth. Uh, as for the companions, I really liked Ryan and the whole thing about him trying to overcome his dyspraxia. Also, his relationship with Graham was interesting. I feel the series will probably focus on him and Graham becoming closer as a family. Yes, I like it. I Graham... also like the fact that him and Yaz just sort of know each other yeah. because they knew each other as kids. Yeah. So we're going to see a friendship develop. I hope there's no relationship. Me too. I hope there's no romance. Me too. Just a bunch of people being mates. Um, you want family. to mate? The TARDIS family. <laughs> I want a mate! Um, you don't mate with me, Sancho. Graham to me just felt like a normal old guy. In fact, I saw a lot of my granddad on him. Yeah. He was yeah. just very genuine. Yeah. Um, as for Grace, I really liked her and was genuinely upset when she died. Damn you, Chibnall! <laughs> However, that being said, it's nice to see death in Doctor Who again, of course. Yes, episode one. Because no one died episode in one. Era. Episode one, how many people died in this one? Bloke in the warehouse. That was grisly. Yeah, that was that was He gnarly. freezes their face, then cracks open their jaw yeah, to you, take you, out you hear, you, The fact that you don't see it, obviously, but mm. you hear it, I was like, oh, no, yeah. no. That was necessary. Um, Him, kebab man. Kebab is that, man. Is that the first flat out drunk character? That was great. Just throwing the salad at him. Have <laughs> my salad Halloween. Because it was so, it was so like, yes, that is a pisshead of coming back with the kebab on a night out. That is exactly what they're like. I love the fact, I, I, did you see the Twitter moment all about this? I love the fact, I love the fact that the majority of the accents in this were Sheffield accents. Yeah. And America, the reaction in America was like, we love this, but a bunch of us have had to turn on the subtitles. <laughs> Because we're, we're used to bits of, of like Sheffield yeah. accent in things like Game of Thrones, but when everybody's talking like this, we're yeah. really struggling. And I was like, "That's hilarious, awesome." Um, um, but I like the fact that Bradley Walsh retained his yes. sort of, his, his uh, sort of London like Hackney style kind of. Yeah, because he's nice. clearly someone who's not. He is the outsider of that community. Yeah. Um, oh my god, I love the little details. Like our train's leaving in twenty minutes. And you're like, wait, they they take the train like possibly every day to visit Ryan. Probably, yeah. That's fucking adorable. Mm. Like, you realise how much they care about him, and as, no matter how frustrated Graham gets at him at one point in the episode, 
Graham gives a shit about Ryan. And he Ryan wants to be his granddad. Be his granddad. Yeah, like it's... it's. Oh god, so much is put in there. Um, I really like this card. This Tardis true. Tardis um, true. Tardis crew. Hi, Jetlag. How you doing? I feel we didn't see enough of Yas for me to make a fair judgment on her, but from what we did get, she was all right. Yeah, I think we'll see more. This was of a, this was a probably. this was like I said, this was a Ryan episode. Yeah, that gave Graham a lot to deal with. But yeah, I think we'll get to learn more about Yas as time goes on. Yeah. Uh, there's too much I want to talk about. Her Sonic costume, the theme, that cliffhanger. The fact, but the fact I won't it's made keep from you. spoons. Sheffield Steel. Sheffield Steel. <laughs> I love it. I've got to love it. Uh, overall, Doctor Who feels fun and exciting again. Although it's just the first episode, I have high hopes going forward. I've not felt this positive about the show in years. Another another moment where I was like, "Ooh, yes, she's the Doctor." It's when she uses the Sonic for the first time, and it just sparks, and, and she goes, like, "Oh." Eh, Probably fine. <laughs> Probably fine. Probably fine. <laughs> um, this one comes in from Miles. He says, Greetings, big damn lads. Doctor Who was pretty good this Sunday. A solid start to this brand new era that sees Jodie's Doctor at the helm. A few issues here and there, but nothing's ever perfect. Obviously, Jodie was the standout here. She was absolutely bristled with energy and enthusiasm. Um, you could tell she was giving it 100% and loving every moment. Particularly loved the bit when she asked to have the police sirens and lights on. <laughs> yeah. I could. It was, and was miffed that they couldn't just turn them on. <laughs> the rest of the cast did a brilliant job too. Most notably Tosin Cole. Ryan is just such an endearing character and feels like a real person. Mm-hmm. You actually cared about the characters. Bradley Walter is also blooming excellent too. I even felt a bit teary during his little speech at the end. Yeah, that was all so good. All mm. the funeral stuff and them just having tea. Yeah. I, on, his, on his on his front steps, just like yeah. oh man. And um, on top of that, didn't it all look bloody gorgeous? It did. Jamie Childs has done a brilliant job shepherding this new look. It looked stunning, like a movie. And my goodness me, Sagan Akinola's score was just beautiful, as was his new rendition of the theme tune, which I can't stop listening to. Just press the it's the two lines next to each other. It looks like a Roman numeral two. That's that means pause. That's just pause. Press that. Yeah, you'd be, if you um, hit that, you'll be able to stop listening to it. Yeah. Like, I'll um, hit it briefly. If you hit, the, if you hit the little arrow thing, you might you might get it again. But give yourself a yeah, reprieve. Just go to the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, the only real problem I had was the dialogue. Chibnall's writing just felt a bit fan film to me, if that makes sense. A lot of very basic stuff that didn't feel totally real unlike stuff in the Davis era did. The pacing was a bit off at times too. Grace's death kind of came out of nowhere and Yaz didn't really grab me in this one, although I have no doubt her character will be explored in more depth in the weeks to come. I get what they mean about the fan film, but I think that's a, I think that's a, prod de- a product of the Regeneration episode. Yeah. Um, the Regeneration episode always yeah. feels like there's some sort of cut and paste kind of like they've had this in their head for a while dialogue. Uh, I don't think it was bad, but I know what you mean. Like, it's 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 sort of there. Uh, Christmas Invasion makes a really smart decision of saving the Doctor for the last ten minutes because you don't really get any of that sort of like, oh, I'm going to do this, that, and the other. Oh, I'm trying... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you rewatch Rose, which I love, absolutely love, one of my favourite series openers for the show ever, there is a bit of that in the scene in the flat briefly, where he's like, oh, I'll never work out easy, and she's an alien. Oh, look at the ears, and all that. Like, that's that's a little fan filmy because it's basically saying, hey, viewer, who yeah. watches the show, hey, There's you, a bit that, you yeah. get what he's referring to, but yeah, I got that. Yeah, like I said, we said before, this episode isn't an earth-shattering piece of television but it's it's just a really strong refreshing yeah it feels better than it is yeah because because it's it's come after so much it's it's come after the fucking dog mess that was (laughs) twice upon a time 
Once the episode finished on iPlayer, immediately it suggested to me Series 10, because Series yeah, 10 is yeah. complete on there underneath, which yeah. I've not rewatched since broadcast. I've not bought the DVD. I'm, I'm going to pick up the DVD when it goes, like the DVD box when it goes down to like 15 quid. I'll pick it up probably. Yeah. Because I did like Series 10. It, mostly it's definitely like, right I like the yeah. front end of Series 10, and I like the last part of Series 10. I am, however, unfortunately going to have, because Series 10 includes Husbands and Return of, yeah. at least, but it doesn't contain Twice Upon a Time. So that is one that I'm going to have to buy separate. No, um, you don't. No, I will because it's a completionist. But again, I'll just pick up the DVD when it's like three quid on Amazon. Yeah, that's probably um, um, but, but in the meantime, I could rewatch it. But I looked at that thumbnail after, after having watched what I just watched. And I was like, this feels like a completely different thing. It does. In a good way. <laughs> it does. Oh, my goodness. Um, goodness yeah, so, me, Susan. Uh, other than that, a solid start... Um, a solid start with a fantastic cliffhanger at the end to leave us wanting more. Uh, Jodie is undoubtedly the Doctor. And I can't wait to see where this new era takes us next. And before I go, I'd just like to say a big thank you to the two of you for this podcast. I've recently started uni, so things have been feeling very different, strange and new for me. Like regeneration. Mm. <laughs> Making new friends, learning new things while being away from home and all the people I've known throughout the years... But amongst all that, this podcast of yours has provided me comfort and a sense of normality to help me through it all. So, again, thank you for all the laughs. Apologies for the long email. <laughs> not necessary. Stoke me a kipper. I'll be back for breakfast. Oh, Miles. Thank you, Miles. Um, I'm, I'm glad that, we, I'm I'm glad glad that we've it. provided a bit of um, balance. Uh, perfectly yeah. balanced as all things we, we, we try and spread a little bit of positivity on this show. Oh, that's, that's, why oh, that's made me feel all warm that's, in the that's, that's one of the reasons why we've not done the big damn hate. Or whatever it's going to be called yet. Yeah, because we'll, we'll get around to the one. The internet needs more positivity. We'll get around to one at some point. Yeah, but we're going to stay positive for now. Mostly. Yeah, yeah. More big um, on the way. If you haven't seen it yet already, there's the freaking amazing Predator God knows episode. When. Go watch the Predator episode. I've got, I've, 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 mm, I've got one I need to release, then I just don't know when to release it. Anyway, um, it, it, I've watched it. It's fucking great. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, uh, so yeah, go, yeah, big dumb love and stuff. And happy to help Miles. It is a tough time doing that sort of yeah, stuff. Man. So I'm happy that we've been that weird little ray of nonsense. Which makes me even more delighted that we have the weekly, like, unbroken thing as well. We are so going to be here. Because you're the reason that's a thing. Thank you I for that. I make this happen. I you made it happen. You watched it happen. You made it happen. No, it's a two-man job. Um, this one comes in from James. <laughs> Dirty bastard. <laughs> Not James. That's what, <laughs> that's what they say about me. Uh, <laughs> greetings, Big Damn Cast. Hey, and James. listeners. Ooh. Yes, also... You at home. Meta. Uh, I have been listening to the show for the past year now and I finally caught up to the present episode so I thought I would send it an email. <gasps> Doctor Who on Sunday night was pretty damn good. <laughs> Jodie Whittaker managed to breathe new life into the show for the first scene on the train. Sagan Akinola's score created a great atmosphere throughout the episode and I particularly liked the use of the theme tune as a motif when the Doctor appeared. Although I just hope it doesn't become the new I am the Doctor. Yeah, yeah. I think the didn't riff is quite... You can always stick that in. It's the yeah, easy to stick in. I think um, it was definitely just used here to be like, hey, people have been waiting for the Doctor to show up. This is your title sequence. Yeah. This, this little blast of music as she arrives. Now the, there's your title sequence, you purists. Carry on. Wonderful. Everything prior to this 10 minutes has been the cold open. Here's the start of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> that was not... I like... What? I, I agree with you. I love the fact there was no opening sequence what in this there one. there is no opening sequence? Oh, no, there will be. I'll tell you for, I'll tell you for a fact. Because A... The, you know that the new showrunner and that new team are like, what's our version of the opening title? Yeah. They're going to want to do it. And B, I believe they screened a bit of it at the premiere in Sheffield. Oh! 
like a snippet. Um, I love the fact that they did that. I love the fact that the premiere screening was in Sheffield. Yeah. That's fantastic. Sheffield Steel. Uh, <laughs> the cinematography was beautiful, and I hope the show keeps looking this good. Please keep up the excellent. Please keep up. Please keep up the excellent work with the podcast. Not that excellent. I fluff that like a. Okay. Your new friend James. Oh, James. Welcome, James. Welcome, James. Well, 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 welcome to the email part. Thank you for being with us, um, ages as well. And finally, <gasps> this one comes in from long time listener, long time emailer, Jacob. <laughs> um, <laughs> fucking hell. Um, you're jet, you're jet lagged. I'm just me. Um, I've, got go I've got no excuse. I've got to go shopping and um, plan a party after this. Oh, this no! Hello, big damn cockers. <laughs> well, Doctor Who was a ruddy good. First of all, Jodie Whittaker is the Doctor. She is the Doctor. And fits perfectly into the Doctor Who unit. Dad! She, in- <laughs> she encapsulate- encapsulates what it means to be the Doctor, and I love her already. The characters felt like real people, especially Graham, who I think was my favourite character. Yes, that's mm-hmm. been a common thread. Seems to be unanimous. Um, the, it was so refreshing and felt new, and it looked absolutely stunning. Tim Shaw was a great villain and genuinely quite scary, with his face of tea. Uh, two oh, big, face of tea! Two big things I loved were the Doctor making her sonic screwdriver out of spoons, mm-hmm. and the fact that she got her costume from a charity shop. Yes! Yes, oh, I love no. the moment. The moment it cuts that, 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 that um, so good um, so to Yaz and, and Ryan from from the front, yeah. and behind them, I was like, they're in a charity shop. Yeah, it's great. Oh my god, that's brilliant! Like um, she's literally cobbling it together from bits and bobs in a charity shop. That's what you're gonna go with. Which I hope is <laughs> weird. Which I really hope encourages some younger viewers to just go to a charity shop and buy some stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, I, on, on a purely sort of meta textual level, I hope that makes people go. Oh god, I wonder what I'll find at the charity shop. Like the doctor's got an outfit. Maybe I was, I'll find some other. I was looking cool. for charity shop clothes the other day, but I'm too fat. Um, all in all, it was marvelous. You just need to wear them in different parts of your body. Oh, okay. Sure. If I find a t-shirt that's too sure, small, sure. I wear two of them on each thigh. I've still got to fucking find an outfit for your party and then stitch um, them together. At the I've bottom. not been this enthusiastic about who in a long time, and it's fantastic. <gasps> Jacob, Jacob, or as he's known on the streets, Jacob. <laughs> um. So yes, uh, Dan, don't worry. I'm going to get to your emails next week. I have read them. I just want to talk about them in a bit more detail. Are they about my inner thigh? No, they're very musically inclined. Dirt? Yeah. But i tell you what isn't dirt. You guys, thanks very much for listening once again. If you enjoyed episode 120 of the Big Damn Cast and you feel you have a friend or two who'd like to listen to this bullshit as well, let them know about us. Big Damn Cast on Twitter, Big Damn Cast on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can catch streams, live gaming on the Big Damn stream at Twitch. You can also see the Big Damn channel on YouTube where this podcast is every week, including other bits and pieces which you can feast your eyes upon. Uh, for Adventures in Backlog Gaming, we've currently, I'm currently doing uh, the remaster of Arkham Asylum. Which I'm going to have to join um, you for a couple of episodes. Two of, them, two of them are coming out a week at the moment, uh, so keep any, an eye on those. Any excuse to replay or watch someone playing that game. It's one of my favourite games. Um, um, a teaser for the next Big Damn Love that will be coming out in the next week or so. Uh, it's also a, g- a game which I thoroughly enjoyed and completed just before I went away on holiday. And maybe I'll swing on over to YouTube to talk about it. <laughs> Bionic Commando. Two. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but till then, uh, oh, I've been me. I've been eighteen guinea pigs stitched arse to mouth, and I'm Tim Shaw. 
and we'll see you next time. <laughs> Goodbye! Wave, Matt, wave! I'm waving! Wave to the people! I'm waving in this audio format. Blow them kisses! Mwah! Mwah! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>